The GameCube's Cool Podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube's Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of October. I Rebel, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Christopher Valenz, Joey Sirico, and Resident Evil Collector. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, we're back from our trips. We've been around the country. You've you've done a lot more driving than I have. Uh, how was your trip? Let's quickly talk about our vacations because we've had a month off, which we have not done since we started this podcast. That's right, Neil. Uh, I went all the way to Mars uh, and mm. I attempted to go there first, realized there was no oxygen there, had uh, to yeah. quickly skirt back. And mm. then I traveled Canada. I guess, is Jared Leto still 30 seconds to Mars? Is that still a band? I'm not sure, but I did not see Jared Leto on my travels throughout Canada. I drove the okay. entire way, Toronto to Vancouver and back. You're crazy. Saw a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know, I can I can drive easy now. Anything anything that's at least eight hours, that's an easy drive for me now. <laughs> How many kilometers was that drive? That was 11,400 kilometers, Neil. Jesus. And you did this on your Civic, right? You didn't rent a car or anything. My beautiful blue 2013 Honda Civic. It it, it did a good job, but it's going for for oil service tomorrow. <laughs> New tires. It's completely bald. What did you What did you listen to on the trip? Did you listen to like podcasts or listen to a lot of music for sure? Obviously, but I did listen to some uh, comedy shows that a uh, friend of the show John recommended me. Pete Holmes, of course, uh, was nice. A, just nice. A, so good, all his shows, and I discovered a new comedian mike babriglia mike babriglia that's babriglia yeah that's that's yeah 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 Yeah, and he was fantastic his stories were really really good and uh i like to think i was inspired to be an even better storyteller because of Mm. uh, listening to him great podcast that he has too really really great guests that he has on there He's got a couple stand-ups on Netflix, and I've seen them all. They're really good. Uh, they get kind of depressing at times, so his uh, his brand of comedy is very interesting. Uh, I, I like that, I, though. I like the introspective style that, that he kind of brings. Me too. Very unoffensive, from what I remember, his stand-up specials. Like, he doesn't go into race or anything super risky. It's more just, like, his life, which has been very depressing, but he has a very good spin on it, which I love. Easily relatable. There's uh, yeah. There's one part where he's like talking to his dad and he's like oh i feel this distance between other people nowadays he's like it's because you're getting older son i'm like damn (laughs) that's true yeah i feel that i feel that i can't wait until we're older man like when we're 45 50 it's gonna be great like we're gonna get to be be old curmudgeonly people right now we're just young and curmudgeonly and it feels weird but Mm -hmm. eventually we'll we'll fit (laughs) (laughs) we'll fit into society but neil uh you also had a little trip and you went out to banff and jasper that area i did the same but uh Mm -hmm. you, you did the small version of my trip you saw what needed to be seen Yes, I did the uh, the easy way. I flew with my girlfriend. We flew to uh, we we flew into Edmonton originally. We stayed at the West Edmonton Mall, the hotel there. That was pretty cool. Saw the indoor amusement park. Got to go on some indoor roller coasters, which was really neat. Mm-hmm. Then we uh, we rented a car. So I did do a little bit of driving on that trip, maybe eight to ten hours total. Not nothing crazy, but uh, yeah. So I'd, that was one drive for me. Yeah, that was like one day for you just to get from Toronto to like Winnipeg or whatever. Um, but yeah, we uh, we saw Jasper, Banff, uh, amazing lakes, incredible mountains. I could talk about it for hours. I'm not going to bore you guys too much with that. But uh, we did try and do a thing where uh, I hit a sticker, our GameCube was cool sticker logo in Jasper because Mike and I were actually going to be staying at the same hotel. 
So I thought this would be a cool place to uh, to hide it, and I hid it under some rocks. And uh, unfortunately, when Mike got there, maybe two weeks later, it was it was gone. So yeah, so we're we're putting out an APB here to anyone who took that sticker and is now mm-hmm. listening to the GameCube is Cool podcast. Please let us know. Uh, I want to I want to find that sticker. That's gonna be my new mission, Neil. Yeah, I was hoping that I was actually kind of hoping that we were gonna get a message on our Instagram page <laughs> or something of them being like, "Yo, you you yeah. guys left your sticker in our hotel, and you're now being fined for littering in Jasper." <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing but uh yeah we we have not talked much at all in the last month which has been really strange for me so even though we have had some episodes go out while we were both away uh this is a completely new podcast that we're recording since we got back and we have been away for a month mike so we did miss a few things in the news that i want to quickly run down i did my best to try and keep up with the news stories that i kind of cared about i i took a break a couple of times but i'm just going to run through some of the things that we probably would have talked about had we been recording but we didn't Perfect. So the first thing that happened was Steve from Blue's Clues released a video that caused every millennial to have a nervous breakdown at the same time. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. He's because yeah. uh, he he left the show because he was balding. That was like the whole thing. I remember. And then, but now he cleared the air. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened there. I fell off Blue's Clues after he left. Obviously, like most of us did. People uh, thought he died. He. I remember <laughs> reading that he had to f- tell his parents that he was still alive. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And he looks he looks pretty good for he must be in his late 40s now, I'm assuming mid 40s. Not a nervous breakdown. Maybe everyone had like an emotional breakdown, but that was pretty big news. Norm Macdonald passed away at the age of 61. That was very sad. Love Norm Macdonald. Canadian icon. Terrific. He, of course, played Burt Reynolds on SNL. Voice of Death in uh, Family Guy, which was iconic as well. So that was really sad news and very young, too, for his age. Mm -hmm. The GameCube turned 20 in Japan. Bit of good news there. Is that is that good news? Like it just it that just happened. It's just news. It's older. <laughs> <laughs> what, is is there a point that the GameCube won't age? Like, <laughs> oh, damn, I don't want to think about that. That's gonna be weird. So we're coming up on 20 years in North America too, in a couple of months or weeks or something. Now there was a, an election in Canada. Uh, we had the exact same result as everything was as we were going into the election. So nothing happened there. There was a Nintendo Direct which happened, which announced Winback is coming to the eShop, which is, of course, the N64 game that everyone's been waiting for. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to play it. Oh, man, Winback. That was such a weird splash screen of games. It was like Mario... Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, like all the hits and then win just back, win back. The hits. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of that game before in my life. Uh, Zellers was trending on Twitter on September 25th, which uh, every so often in Canada, Zellers trends on Twitter. And I like to I like to document it because it's like we go through this cycle where once a month you see Zellers and Blockbuster show up on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Canadian. Zellers is the Canadian target, but was like. Yeah. It's hard to describe. Look up Zellers. Google Zellers, kids. Or just wait on Twitter and you'll see it trend eventually. (laughs) Seinfeld came to Netflix, which I'm super stoked about. Been uh, falling asleep to Seinfeld on my phone almost every single night since then. That's amazing. And finally, the last bit of news I have here is Sora from Kingdom Hearts is the last fighter to be announced for Smash Ultimate. Yep. It happened, Neil. Mm -hmm. We went full anime. Smash Bros. has been full anime, though, since, like, Roy and Marth. That was the beginning of the end. (laughs) It's the beginning of the anime. Yeah. But, yeah. um, Neil, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you know anyone who has an Audi? Like the belly button or the car? Like the the belly button, but Mm. also the car. Like, (laughs) a double. (laughs) An an Audi in an Audi. (laughs) Uh, An Audi is in the belly button. Not that I know of, to be honest. I remember a lot of kids, like, at pool parties having them when I was a kid. But I don't know if you outgrow the Audi 
or if right. uh, or if those people just age out and just uh, push it back in. I don't know. That's that. <laughs> everyone I know has an innie, but the car, I, the car. <laughs> no, no one I know has an Audi. I because I just and and then I guess the question is, does James Bond have an Audi? We're gonna find out. I guess uh, I guess when I see the new movie, uh, when he takes his shirt off, we'll see if he does have an Audi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen Daniel Craig shirtless. It's true. We have. I just it's Audis are so strange to me, and please. If someone does have an Audi, I'm not trying to out you. And I, yeah. uh, uh, I, I, I just, I've just never met anyone with an Audi. But when you were a kid, people were like, "Oh, take like, like, mm-hmm. are you an Innie or an Audi?" And yeah. it was the answer was always Innie. I've never heard Audi, so I'm just curious. I just want to want to talk to those people. I, I remember doing. I remember, yeah. Find out. Let's check in on the Audis out there. Let's find out how they're doing. If you're an Audi, comment. Please let us know. How how are you doing? How how's life? How's life as an Audi? But no, I've never been. I've never seen an Audi in person in, in terms of the car. I've never been offered one. I've never. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then, and then, I guess the other question here too to go back to James Bond, as we will do for the entire episode: How do you become a spy? Yeah, is there a spy doctorate? How? Yeah, I was trying to think about that. Like, is it a is it a PhD? I I do not. When we were in high school, I do not remember spy being a program uh, at any of the. GTA. I like and, the idea, like it's like a driver's ed course. Yeah, you know, like a weekend <laughs> thing that like you do for four weeks, and then maybe you go for six lessons with some guy who's also a spy. It's Judy Dench. It's John Cleese. You and John Cleese chilling on the weekends between two and five p.m. Man, that would be funny. I do want to give a shout out uh, today, though, to Play and Trade Video Games Vancouver, who I went to uh, while okay. I was in Vancouver. I gave them a uh, a GameCube was cool sticker, and yeah, oh. the guy there he actually said that he had seen our podcast recommended to him on Spotify. So, are you serious? And I did buy a game there. I uh, I was nice of uh, I I found uh, World Tour, which is a scooter game from 2003, which we will be talking about on the Extreme Sports episode. World Tour. I don't remember that game. I guess it's in our list of games to cover. So have you played it yet? Uh, not yet, but I'm excited. Okay. And he did warn me that this game is bad, and I said, oh. I know. Perfect. <laughs> we love bad games on this podcast. We love bad games. We will, of course, have a bad, another unplayable episode at some point, but the extreme sports episode, got to talk about it there. I did go to a video game store, too, uh, in the West Edmonton Mall. I think it was called Game Street or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, it sucked. Um, sorry, West Edmonton Mall Game Store, if that was your name. <laughs> they had, like, six GameCube games, five of which were not even in cases, uh, they had like uh, True Crime LA, I think, was there. Oh, um, I also bought that, not in um, not in Vancouver though, but I did buy it. Okay, good. Well, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the game, uh, even though we have already covered True Crime LA in our emulator. And I episode. have played it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You did you did play the emulator on there, so yep. that's good. Glad that we got to do some video game hunting while we were on vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all in all, good trip, and we're of course here today to talk about James Bond. But first, Mike, we have Dan from Patreon who wrote in. He had a late submission from back in September, but we're going to talk about it now. Dan says, I was wondering, what modern games are you guys currently playing? I recently got Hades for the PS5, and I can't put it down. Cheers. We uh, we have a lot of friends who have played Hades recently, Neil, mm-hmm. and I know Hades is a fantastic game. It looks really cool. I would love to pick it up. Personally, uh, I'm sure you're doing the same. I'm playing a lot of GameCube games and a lot of older mm-hmm. games. Yakuza Zero, as we talked about a couple episodes ago. Um, and the only really new game that I've been playing is the new WarioWare game. Nice. Which is fantastic, by the way. Look for my review on that next episode. But uh, great game. Highly recommend. 
Uh, I'm waiting for a couple of new games right now that'll be coming out December, January-ish, I think. Uh, Elden Ring, the new From Software uh, game. There's uh, the Pokemon Ar- Ar- Arceus, or however however you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, Ar- Arceus. Arceus. Uh, and Stray, that the cat simulator <laughs> kind oh, of thing. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if that's already out or is coming out, but I still I do want to buy that. So th- those, are, those are some of the games I'm looking forward to, at least, and I'm sure I won't be able to put down when I get them. Yeah, well, WarriorWare is a great game, a great choice of a new game that just came out. Um, I I downloaded the demo of that game, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. I'll probably wait and play the full game with you, since I don't think we both need to own WarioWare. No. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, yeah, I've been just playing GameCube games. Like, I know that it sounds kind of, like, on brand for us, but I honestly, like, between my job and, like, life stuff, I really don't have time to play new games right now. I just try and play... GameCube games and I do honestly love playing GameCube games so for me like playing an old game from 2002 is is where I'm happiest like I pop the game in and it works I'm becoming a little bit not I guess disenfranchised disenchanted from uh from current gen video games just because like the games are all so overproduced and like there's always updates and it feels like that if you play a new game a year later you're getting the better package Mm -hmm. so for me like new games especially on playstation 4 and playstation 5 which i don't have a ps5 yet i always like to wait on those games for like a year because they just they're just going to patch it they're going to update it and then the game is going to be better There, there might be some dlc that i can hop in on so new games i always like to wait on except for nintendo games we're just at the time of this episode going live metroid dread will be out so mm-hmm. I will be playing that game very soon. Yes. And also Hot Wheels Unleashed just came out as well back in late yes. September. So both of those two games are on my list of current games that I would like to play. And I'm a huge advocate for picking up games at the library. I've said that before a ton of times that uh, it's a great way to pick up. Or it's a great way to get in, in, into a new game without spending any money. Most libraries these days in Canada, at least, or in Toronto, uh, have a video game section. And I was just looking around there the other day, and I picked up a game called Bee Simulator. Okay. <laughs> which I haven't had a chance to play yet, but I am very excited. I was looking at reviews online, and it looks like a good game. But, like, you're just, like, you're a bee in... It might be New York or something, and you like go to parks and you pick it's up the bee movie. Yeah, it's the bee movie basically, but it's <laughs> it's meant to be like an educational game where you're also hmm. this bee collecting like sugar for energy, and you have to protect the hive, and you have to pollinate flowers, and it just looks like a really cool simulation game. And I love stuff like that. Like as excited as I will get for Batman games and Spider Man games and God of War and and, and Harry Potter or Hogwarts Legacy, uh, I do love like these little weird random games that come out. Those are my picks for current gen games like little nightmares of course is of a course. huge game that i, I love yeah so. there you go that's a good example of a new game that, that you played so yeah that was like what april that game came that, out that's still, hades came out like a while ago too right like, that was that's like a true year ago, so yeah I'm, I'm glad dan talked about hades again because i have seen a ton of good good uh good reviews on hades it looks like kind of an anime diablo yeah uh, yeah yeah looks looks great so Thank you, Dan, for writing in. And remember, listeners, if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, if you're a Patreon supporter at the $5 or above level, you get your name read in the credits at the beginning of the show and the option to submit an opening topic. But, Mike, I think it's time for our favorite segment. What do you think? I think it's time for the mailbag! Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to leave us a review, you can do so on whatever podcast service you listen to us on, or you can send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. We will read them on the podcast. Just like pigeon as well. 
carrier pigeon is the preferred method of communication for us. Yeah. Just like Mike, who wrote into us today. Andrew from Instagram says, hey, cool podcast. Been listening through your shows. Great to hear love for the GameCube. I know you focus on NA releases, but have you ever played Dosh and the Giant? If so, what do you think about it? Well, Andrew, mm. we did somewhat talk about Dosh and the Giant on our strange, weird game episode uh, when we talked about Ribbit King and Metal Arms and some other games, uh, because that is a strange, weird game that we do actually have a lot of love for. I wish mm-hmm. it was a North American game. Yeah, me too. I would. Unfortunately, I don't have any experience playing it because it's not. it wasn't released in North America, and I think you can buy it in North America if you have a... It was a PAL game, right? If yeah. I could play PAL or Japanese games on my GameCube, I would. But it's also super expensive here too, and it's probably expensive everywhere. Mm-hmm. There aren't enough God simulators out there. No, like it's such an interesting, weird concept that just is not explored enough. It really isn't, and that game just—I could—I could just get relaxed playing that game for sure. And I, oh, yeah. I like—I like games like that from time and you know every now and then it's nice to play a kind of relaxed sim style game like even like animal crossing did the job but a dosh and the giant is even weirder and cooler in that way so yeah great great question and thanks for writing in andrew yeah thank you so much andrew but now before we get into the episode our james bond episode we're gonna cut to future mike and neil because mike is about to go see the new james bond movie which feels like has been coming out for about two years But No Time to Die is finally out in theaters, and we're going to cut now to Mike to give us his thoughts on the movie. Mike, what do you think about the new James Bond movie? I just want to hear it from your mouth. From the horse's mouth. Thank you so much, past Mike and past Neil. Uh, You guys were so innocent, so wide-eyed. Had no idea about James Bond, No Time to Die, which I just saw. And I got to say, it was really good. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, a good fun ride for sure. There is some convoluted parts in the plot. Uh, there's a lot of different, a lot of characters and they didn't know how to focus on each one properly, I guess would be my criticisms. But uh, for the most part, it was a real enjoyable fun ride and uh, great acting, great cinematography. It looked really good. And a quintessential Bond movie, also with a great theme song. I hadn't heard Billie Eilish's theme song uh yet for no time to die and she killed it i gotta say she did a really good job great title sequence as well as always so yeah those are my thoughts about uh no time to die with no spoilers because i could say a lot more but that would ruin the movie so go check it out if you can oh and p.s rami malik great choice for a villain he's got those villain eyes i love it um yeah he was great really good back to you Thank you so much, Future Mike, for giving his opinion on the new James Bond movie. Neil hasn't seen it yet. I probably won't see it for a very long time. I'm quite behind on my James Bond movies. So let's talk about some James Bond video games on the GameCube. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 67 of the GameCube was Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 300 and 16 games. I miscounted the last few weeks. I think I was saying 314. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. With uh, collaboration with James Bond. 
That's cor- of course, yeah. MI6 has been a huge help with us. <laughs> Last week, we went back in time and saved the GameCube. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we're covering all the James Bond games on the GameCube, minus Nightfire, because we already covered that game in its own episode. Go back and check it out. If you haven't already, uh, we talk about Nightfire in pretty much every single episode, and we will probably <laughs> talk about it even more today. Uh, but we're talking about all the other James Bond games on the console uh, to celebrate No Time to Die, which we, of course, just reviewed. Uh, And this will be the final James Bond movie featuring Daniel Craig. It's the 25th James Bond movie under Eon Productions umbrella. So very exciting times indeed. So Mike, let's uh, just jump back a little bit. What are your memories of James Bond growing up? Well, uh, I actually have like a lot of early memories about James Bond. This is probably one of the first franchises that I knew of. Uh, My uncle was a big Bond fan is a big Bond fan. He's alive. And (laughs) and I remember he had this VHS uh, of a compilation of all the Bond openings. And I don't know if that's real or if he just, you know, it was a bootleg and he made it or something, but it was really cool. And uh, I've looked for it ever since, actually. It's one of my white whales because uh, you can't find VHSs anywhere. No. Uh, (laughs) But I I remember um, almost all the openings from the movies from uh, starting with Sean Connery up to Timothy Dalton, I guess, at that point. I don't think he had the Pierce Brosnan ones on there. Mm. Um, And so I I knew the movies by how they opened and the songs as well. I've never seen Live and Let Die, but I remember the song, obviously, Paul McCartney's song. Great. And and that... That opening is a really good opening too, um, and so because I think that's when he's coming on like from the helicopter or something. I don't know, but mm-hmm. uh, I I I loved watching those as a kid, and I started getting into it more. I would get uh, DVDs when I was a little older. I watched um, Doctor No and mm-hmm. Diamonds and Forever a lot. Uh, Diamonds are forever a lot. I I really like those movies. I love Diamonds are Forever, even though I know it's usually a pretty lowly rated movie. It was Sean Connery's last real. Mm-hmm. Um, Bond film and okay. the two villains in it or one of the two villains it's Mr. White and Mr. Something or they have both Mr. Names and uh, <laughs> I actually knew about them beforehand because they're at, they're parodied in Codename Kids Next Door oh wow yeah and okay. I remember seeing the movie and being like hey that they, they took this from Codename Kids Next Door <laughs> the cartoon and obviously yeah. it was the other way around but uh, yeah I, I I remember that I remember watching Goldfinger uh, I nice. loved that one that was maybe one of my favorites as a kid from Russia with Love mm-hmm. uh, and of course GoldenEye with Pierce Brosnan uh, that is I think everyone around our age really remembers GoldenEye yeah. from both the game and the, the movie is a really good movie mm-hmm. and Casino Royale, of course. There was a, a bit of a break there. And those Pierce Brosnan movies weren't great after GoldenEye. No. So it was really refreshing to see Casino Royale. Something very different, very edgy. Almost felt like like the Dark Knight take on mm-hmm. on James Bond. Uh, I saw it with my mom in theaters when I was, I guess, 11 years old. Uh, she had no idea what was going on. I loved it, though. <laughs> uh, it was like an action movie. I'd never seen something like that before. Like a sophisticated modern movie yeah. i remember when uh casino royale came out and there was a little bit of controversy around daniel craig being bond the I blonde think. the blonde bond it was yeah. it was he it was like oh he can't be that he's not this pierce brosnan sean connery looking guy mm-hmm. but he became bond like for he's been james bond now for what f- 15 years almost like yeah yeah <laughs> it's wild and i how I remember Casino Royale. That was one of the only Daniel Craig movies that I've seen. I just remember how awkward it was watching the scene of him getting hit in the nuts with the rope. Yeah. <laughs> that was an incredibly <laughs> awkward scene to watch with your parents. And then I saw Quantum of Solace after that. That was the one where I felt lost, watching Quantum of Solace. 
Yeah, that that wasn't very good at all. It kind of was one of the first ones that was a direct sequel to Casino to another Bond film, and that's never a mm. good move when you make it a direct sequel because these yeah. these movies are really standalone in their own right. They always have really good villains like Mads Mikkelsen as La Chiffre, Dame Judi Dench killing it as always, <laughs> uh, and then Skyfall is kind of when it got good again. That's a great movie, uh, one of my favorites for sure. Mm. Uh, Neil, I'd like to actually take this opportunity to list my top five Bond films because. Oh. Okay, I'm go. ready. Yeah, go go for it, please. <laughs> Casino Royale has got to be my number one. Nice. Goldfinger, number two. Dr. No, the original, number three. Skyfall, okay. number four. Great movie. And then Goldeneye for number five. That's great. I, You see, James Bond, for people born after the 90s, like kids born in the 2000s, I don't think that there's this much connection to the franchise, unless no. you have an older uncle or sibling or cousin that gets you into it. I don't think that there's any way that kids these days naturally come across James Bond. Like... When we were kids, yeah, Goldeneye was a huge gateway drug to this franchise. And nowadays, kids have Marvel, they have Star Wars. There's just so many other things that you see kids with, you know, on their backpacks and their T-shirts. It's not James Bond. You also have to remember that those, like, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even, uh, yeah, even uh, 90s, 2000s with uh, Pierce Brosnan, these movies were coming out every two years. Yeah. Like, it, it was a constant saturation of James Bond. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, you're right. Like, there's so many other things now for for kids or anyone to 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 be watching but but yeah i think people forget that sean connery did six movies in seven years i know (laughs) yeah he's he's but most of our parents consider sean connery or roger moore to be bond it's usually between one of those two uh actors for me pierce brosnan is is my favorite bond just because when we grew up yeah because of when we grew up yeah like all the movies were pierce brosnan goldeneye was an incredible just pop culture phenomenon between the N64 game and the movie as well. And the mm-hmm. soundtrack was also very decent. Um, but yeah, like James Bond dates back all the way to 1953 from the, uh, it was actually a book, which I didn't know that until way later that James Bond was based on a book series by Ian Fleming. Uh, first book came out in 1953. There's 12 novels plus two short stories. And then since then there have been multiple books published under different authors' names, mm-hmm. uh, have taken a spin with the character in their own stories, which has been Good for certain people who like those books, I suppose. Uh, we're going to be joined by a couple friends later who uh, who love James Bond. Uh, but the the films are the longest running film franchise of all time. They've grossed over seven billion U.S. dollars uh, in the last uh, fifty years or so now, which is nuts. Um, but the video games took a long time to get going. Uh, the first James Bond game, believe it or not, was in 1983. I think it was called James Bond 007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those yeah. were the uh, basically before GoldenEye, but like the pre-GoldenEye era of Bond video games were mm-hmm. what most video games were at the time. You know, they were uh, very arcadey, did one thing. You know, I think of those James Bond games as the Simpsons games, like we talked about way back yeah. in the Simpsons mm-hmm. episode. Uh, Hit and Run was like the the new standard. Uh, that it could inevitably never live up to. But, and, and that was somewhat true with GoldenEye being the new standard after all these mediocre, just kind of one-trick pony uh, games that they had. Exactly. So the first game was 1983, and then 14 years later was GoldenEye 007, and that's really when the video game James Bond franchise took off uh, for the N64 and then into the GameCube PS2 generation, where the games kept coming out were decent. They, they switched over publishers quite a bit, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about later. But the franchise spawns across 39 different consoles and PCs uh, wow. since 1983. The consoles, oddly enough, that aren't credited yet are the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PS5, or Series X. So we haven't seen any a James Bond game, a new James Bond game, in almost eight years on current-gen hardware, which is a long time. 
I believe that there is one in the works right now um, known yep. as Project 007, which, again, we're going to talk about a little bit later. So that's really exciting that the franchise is coming back. But if you couldn't tell, that's really where my touchstone with the franchise is. It's mainly with the games. I did watch the movies quite a bit as a kid, mostly the Pierce Brosnan and the Timothy Dalton movies. The Timothy Dalton movies are actually very good and very underrated. Yeah, my, my brother, my older brother who got me into James Bond really likes the Timothy Dalton ones. And he always had those on after school. I'd always come home and he'd have... What's the one? Living, uh, living Daylights? Living Daylights, yeah. yeah Very he, violent. He, yes, he had that movie on all the time. So I remember <laughs> I remember that movie a lot. That one and Goldeneye were my two that I remember the yeah. most. So I have really fond memories of watching the James Bond movies with my brother. I also remember, I think it's Moonraker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, when it got a little, that's when it got a little too crazy. Yeah, this is the thing. I remember scenes from James Bond movies, like the one where like the guy's Me head too. explodes in the pressure chamber. And then there's like an underwater like fight scene with harpoons and there's sharks around. I really, I remember that scene too. And then yeah, the golden eye and then Nightfire, which we've talked a ton about. So yeah, really special franchise for me. I would like to get back into it. I need to catch up on the Daniel Craig films because I haven't seen Skyfall, uh, Spectre or, um, or the new one, obviously. So I have three movies to really catch up on, which mm-hmm. I'd like to do at some point and watch some of the older ones too. Cause I'm, I'm definitely missing a few Sean Connery and Roger Moore films in there. And of course the George Lazenby film, which I don't think anybody has seen. <laughs> yeah. The one that he did. Uh, yeah. and Neil, like you were saying, uh, for the, the bond games, there are 13 games in the last 25 years. Like you said, uh, hasn't been one for nine years now since 007 legends 2012. That game is horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little later in the show, but, uh, to just talk about the games here, we got Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, 007 Racing, yeah. <laughs> of course you gotta have a racing game, uh, Agent Under Fire, Nightfire, Everything or Nothing, Goldeneye Rogue Agent, From Russia With Love, and then uh, we left the EA development at that point and went to Activision with Quantum mm. of Solace in 08, Goldeneye uh, Remade in 2010, Bloodstone, which was the new uh, kind of story in 2010, and then uh, 007 Legends in 2012, so that was mm. a... Uh, the last time we've seen Bond and IO Interactive, who makes the Hitman games, uh, is developing mm-hmm. a new one, which is the perfect developer for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a spy. They, they make probably the best spy games of the of the last generation of hardware. And they like Hitman is a very well-loved spy game. So I think that it's in good hands with, with those guys. I think so, too. And we will talk about that and many more uh, things about the James Bond series. But first, Neil, let's start with our first game, which is not a James Bond game. Oh, nope. what did we do here? <laughs> I think we screwed up, Mike. I think we screwed up here somewhere. Spy Hunter is an anti-spyware computer program from Microsoft Windows, Windows XP, and later operating system. It's designed to remove malware such as Trojan horses, computer worms, root kicks, and other malicious software. Oh, well, sorry. Wrong one. That's not... That's nah. not right. No? Okay. Wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, check out our newest podcast, which is all about McAfee software. Uh, yeah. Honestly, Neil, I don't know if you've ever looked up John McAfee. I think oh, yeah. he died recently. That oh. is one of the longest Wikipedia entries on controversies and legal issues that I've ever read. He's the definition of a dishonest person and just like full of so many controversies oh, and and. I get malware updates all the time, or not updates, but just like McAfee pop-ups. I don't know how to get rid of it. I'm not good at computers, clearly. But Spy Hunter we're talking about today is the GameCube game, which was released on March 12, 2002. It's developed by Paradigm Entertainment. Uh, they also produced or developed Beetle Adventure Racing, Pilot Win- Pilot Wings 64, and Big Air Freestyle, uh, two very big uh, N64 games, and another 
extreme sport game that we've talked about on this podcast. Uh, it's published by Midway. It's also on PlayStation 2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, Windows, Tapwave Zodiac. We love that console. Uh, this game rates a 7 out of 10. It's priced today at around $20. And uh, this is a driving sim slash spy game. It's not a James Bond game, even though we said that we'd be covering James Bond games only. Uh, this game is just very similar to a James Bond game. But since this is a driving sim, is Ali going to be joining us today? Uh, Ali is not joining us. I'm sorry, Neil. Ah, <laughs> driving bad. expert Ali is not going to join us for Spy Hunter. But yeah, we decided to put Spy Hunter here rather than putting it into a racing sim episode, because it is very closely tied to James Bond in many ways. Uh, Spy Hunter actually goes back, way back in uh, in the 80s. I think 83 was the first Spy Hunter game. It was an arcade game, and it was heavily inspired by James Bond, as you would expect. It is f- a full racing game, although I believe the sequel to this Sp- uh, Spy Hunter GameCube game was the first time that you actually got out of your vehicle and kind of walked around more and we want to include it in here as well because neil did you know that dwayne johnson not the rock but, <laughs> but dwayne johnson the actor mm-hmm. was supposed to star as the main spy i guess in spy hunter uh, yeah. and they were gonna have a movie i think in 2005 is gonna be a rival almost like an american james bond Yes, I did hear about that. There was a lot of um, press, like additional media, I suppose, around Spy Hunter 2 specifically, which was released later on PlayStation 2 and Xbox. That was in 2003. I think that's the game where you get out of your car in that's Spy Hunter. Yeah. Spy, yeah, Spy Hunter 1, you don't get out of your car at all. It's spy, this is Spy Hunter Nowhere to Run. That's what, the, that's what you're thinking. Yeah, of. Nowhere to Run is uh, is the game that was that one is was released um, again on PlayStation Two and Xbox in two thousand six. That's the one starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yes, um, not the Rock, obviously. Um, and they were almost going to make this into a movie tie-in, but uh, that movie was eventually canceled and never came out. I'm glad it didn't come out because that would have just been terrible for me. But I guess if you're a Rock fan, it would have been it would have been fun to see. It's just really funny because that's one of the few instances of a movie tie-in game that doesn't have a movie. <laughs> it's true and it looks like like it feels like it should be a movie tie-in game because it like is you... it, it is that that game like the the plot because they the the movie was basically done and written mm-hmm. at that point right and so they they created this video game based on what the script was at the at the time and uh, we've talked in length about movie tie-ins and how things change and so they're not that faithful to the movie but it's just so funny to me mm-hmm. that a movie tie-in game exists without a movie it's so strange like they got way too ahead of their skis there and that like this would never happen today like movie tie-ins first of all don't exist today but it, it would just it would never happen where a game would come out it would be like if like the, the uh the square enix avengers game which came out this year it'd be like if that game came out in let's say 2010 and then the avengers 2012 movie was canceled yeah, kind of what yeah. it's akin to but in this in in this case which is kind of strange is that movie tie-in or i guess it's franchise tie-in now that's almost. the thing franchise tie-in because it, it, it there was such an attempt clearly to make like spy hunter into this rival franchise to james bond i i just find this super interesting it is, and you're right. You said the arcade game came out in 1983 to, uh, with the same name. They've said that they're heavily inspired by James Bond, so it's not any secret, and it's clear that the inspiration is there, almost like Metroid being heavily inspired by Alien. You can definitely yeah. see the roots uh, in it, and uh, it was one of the uh, top five highest-grossing 
arcade games of 1984 and 1985. Uh, there's also a sequel, Spy Hunter 2. This is again in the 80s. And then there was an NES version of the game known as Super Spy Hunter, uh, which came out in the 80s as well. And then the franchise was largely dormant for the better part of 17 years uh, until Spy Hunter randomly came out on GameCube. But I don't know if you, if you were a kid in the 2000s, you no one knew what Spy Hunter was. Like It was meant to be kind of like a sequel to the uh, the arcade game, but you could definitely play this game without playing the arcade game. Uh, and full disclosure, I haven't played Spy Hunter before, and so just you can un- unsubscribe from the podcast right now, I guess. Because but before I, you do I that, played all the games. Well, hold off, Mike, hold off, because I own Spy Hunter. Believe it or not, yeah. I picked this game up while you were in while you were traveling around Canada. I've been working hard. <laughs> I I, <laughs> I picked up Spy Hunter and Tony Hawk Underground. So thug, I finally own both of these games. Very similar games. Very, very similar games. Both very affordable games, too. So I wanted to pick up Spy Hunter because I had all the Bond games to talk about today, and I wanted to have this one as well. You also to... see it everywhere. Yeah, I was like, I might as well. It's less than $20. Like, yeah. what's what's the worst that could happen? And all in all, it's a, it's a pretty enjoyable game. Like, mm-hmm. 7 out of 10, I think that's a fair uh fair rating like i would say 6.5 to 7 it's definitely no more than a 7 um it, it's it's very rough like it, it looks it like take... the vanquished level in nightfire but the entire time <laughs> basically that's what it is so it's all driving levels so if you take james bond and just strip out the uh the on foot levels this is what you get so if you like the driving missions in james bond games this game might be perfect for you uh because the driving missions in James Bond games, specifically from this generation, I don't love them all. I like the ones in Nightfire. I think they're really good. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to be talking about in a little bit the uh, driving missions in uh, From Russia with Love. The the driving in that game is not great. Uh, this game kind of takes that and makes it – this is the only thing that is in the game. So yeah. it doesn't really shine at, at doing even the driving missions though. So you start off the game by doing some kind of like a training mission, which is actually pretty good. At first the game – you think the game is going to look – pretty good the frame rate is very steady the textures are good the spy car looks good which by the way the spy car is named the interceptor a little bit of trivia there for you uh and then as soon as you get to the driving missions where enemies are on screen and they're firing at you that's when the game takes a dip in everything so the frame rate (laughs) drops the textures fall away uh the the sound explosions and everything start to get muddled and even like the explosions and and some of like the dust and the water coming off of the car looks very pixelated almost like 8-bit graphics on top of gamecube graphics so it it probably is a game that you you, i I would recommend maybe looking for it like if you see it at a game store and it's it's on sale for i wouldn't spend more than 20 bucks on this game absolutely not it's a fun experience for a couple nights maybe play it with friends um there is two player simultaneous co-op if you wanted to do that uh so there's that option as well but it's not like a james bond classic game where you have four player split screen Mm -hmm. which is too bad Four, four players a split screen with cars would actually be really fun i think so too not racing each other but like deathmatch with cars like that's a good idea yeah, I, w- I would totally love that, but uh, I don't think we're going to see Spy Hunter come back anytime soon, unfortunately. However, the game did sell very well uh, across all the platforms that I mentioned. Um, it sold 1.4 million units, which, not bad for, uh, for... For a game like that, yeah, not not bad at all. And we may... Uh, who knows, Neil? We may not see a, a Spy Hunter game, but a Spy Hunter movie is still technically in the works. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's never been fully canceled or anything. It's just been on hiatus for years. Uh, They've gone through, I think, 10 different sets of writers, uh, 10 different rewrites uh, for the script. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, obviously not attached to it anymore, but uh, who knows what could happen with it. It's still technically out there, still in development hell. 
And they could bring back Dwayne Johnson to do this movie still. Like, even though he's not, you know, what was he in, in 2000 and uh, 2002? He might have been in his 30s. Like, he still has it, like, even in his 50s yeah. or however old he is now. He's still jacked. So he could oh, definitely yeah. still do it. And he's still a huge movie star. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him coming back to do this movie. I think it'd be kind of funny if he did, as if, like, he was <laughs> on the script the whole time and they just bring him back in to do it. But I would love that. We'll see. I would love it, too. But I think uh, with that, I should read the back of the case for Spy Hunters so we can move on to some really good James Bond games. Mike, what do you think? Let's do it. All right. Prepare to be hunted. The evil Nostra Corporation is preparing to unleash havoc. Only you and the G6155 Interceptor can stop them. Race around the globe in your quest to thwart their evil plans. Wield an incredible arsenal of both offensive and defensive weapons to defeat Nostra's henchmen, spies, and assassins. Um, one thing that we have to say before we move on, though, is the Spy Hunter theme is, of course, uh, performed by the beloved band Saliva. <laughs> is that where the guy who also does the hero music video with Chad Kroger, Josie Scott, is he from Saliva? Yes, Mike, that is correct. Chad Kroger featuring Josie Scott uh, performed the song Hero uh, from the 2002 hit film Spider-Man. I need a hero Hero could save us. us. I'm not going to stand here and wait. I'm not going to stand here and wait, Neil, because uh, I think we have our first guest of the show coming on. All right, sweet. Who's joining us today, Mike? Joining us today is my friend Spencer Gowan, Spenny as I like to call him. This is your first time on the show, so we have to ask you the important question of did you ever own a GameCube back in the day? Uh, great question, and I never did. I was, <sighs> I know, I was that guy. I got to enjoy everyone else's though. It's the way GameCube was meant to be enjoyed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now I'm assuming you played uh, Agent Under Fire on a PS2 then? I did, and a mm-hmm. uh, buddy, like best friend, and his little brother lived down the road. They had a GameCube, and they had it as well. So it didn't matter whose house we were on or at, nice. we could play. But there was home field advantage, of course, because I knew yeah. the PS2 controller better. And they are quite different, too. So that is a big very, change to go from, from either one. Mm-hmm. And then our other question for you today is, if you could have one Bond gadget in your phone at all times, or in your car, what would you pick? I... I'm going to, based on my amazing experience with Agent Under Fire, uh, the anti-gravity option, if I could make that on my phone, it's not a good idea, it's not a safe idea, but I would, just for the chaos that would ensue. Just yeah. send people into the sky. Why not? It's not a good idea, but it's the right idea. And yeah, that, that's that's the word that we're looking for right now. That, I mean, yeah. I could you could get very creative with that. I feel like traffic would be a lot easier, because you could just anti-grav all of the cars. Oh. We I don't see any issue like with that. like the Jetsons. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just they fall and die. It's great. No, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they can't fly their cars. They just float suspended in, in space until you drop them to their death. That sounds yeah. good to me. Uh, that's too much power. I don't want all that. <laughs> well, you, you chose that. You chose that life. <laughs> You've but yeah, we, life. we brought Spenny on today to talk about uh, his memories of Agent Under Fire since he did not play Goldeneye back in the day. This is kind of his Goldeneye with his friends. So that's a very interesting uh, viewpoint of the game. Uh, James Bond 007 Agent Under Fire was released on March 13th, 2002. It's developed by EA Redwood Shores. In brackets, I have Lou Redwood. <laughs> <laughs> From Semi-Pro. Wow, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, published by EA Games. Platform, it's also on PlayStation 2 and Xbox. It rates about a 7 out of 10. Game Informer gave this game a 9 out of 10. That's a no from it's because me. because Spenny was writing for Games Sp- yeah. all the time. <laughs> that was me at the age of 10. 
<laughs> Must have been. And if you wanted to pick this game up today, you're looking at about $15. And this is a first-person shooter, uh, James Bond game. The first first-person shooter since the N64 era. And not a bad first attempt at a first-person shooter. Forget James Bond. Gets way better with uh, Nightfire. But, uh, Spenny, why don't you let us know? What do you love about uh, Agent Underfire so much? Um, yeah, that's such a good question. I think, and you're right, I didn't love Goldeneye. And I think because I was just, I think it was a little bit before my time. And I remember going to my mm-hmm. cousins and uh, they had an N64 and they were so good at it. And they're like seven-ish, eight-ish years older than me. And they'd be so okay. good. And then it'd be my turn to play. And I'm like six and I sucked. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know, so maybe like, so on some level, this is kind of like redemption. Like, I'm good at this one. Agent Under Fire. <laughs> and I don't know. Just, it, it was before all the like the online gaming too. Like, I could just do, you know, the campaign, do the mission and enjoy it. But mm-hmm. the multiplayer, when I could play my, mm-hmm. you know, best friend's little brother. And we would play, I think it's, uh, it's at a harbor or on a deck. And we would okay. play that level for hours and it was so much fun. And we just like, it never was overly competitive. It was just me and him having so much fun doing our best anti-gravity and everything. And just having <laughs> like, that's what I truly remember with the game. It was just, I'm sure a lot of people had similar experiences, maybe not the same one, but like that level with the ridiculous settings, just loving mm-hmm. it. And just like, you know, life is good. Life is simple. I'm 12 and that's yeah. what it was about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. This was the time before Call of Duty was huge. Like we didn't have Call of Duty when we were nine, ten years old. We had James Bond. Like that was the, that was the shooter multiplayer game that you played at birthday parties and sleepovers. So you know you had to have yep. one with your console. And luckily, James Bond is on pretty much every console of all time, which which works out well. And this this was a decent multiplayer. I know what you're saying. That I think I know the course that you're even talking about because I remember playing it at a friend's house too. And it is it is fun. Like the multiplayer in James Bond games is almost never the problem. It's almost always the standout part. It is the campaign mm-hmm. where where the games typically get bashed, unfortunately. And this game, uh, Agent Under Fire, it's it's a James Bond game, but it's not based on a movie or a book, which is pretty interesting. Like when when people think of James Bond, they think of Goldeneye uh, from Russia with Love. But there were a few James Bond games that were not based on. Uh, the Ian Fleming novels. This is the fourth game that does this, actually. There was also James mm-hmm. Bond 007 The Duel, James Bond 007, and 007 Racing, of course, is not based on a Bond yeah. film. Not <laughs> yet, anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would totally see that movie, Sylvester yeah. Stallone as Bond in 007 Racing. <laughs> what what threw me off with Agent Underfire, though, and I don't know, Spenny, if you agree with this, is the James Bond character himself is not based on any of the actors, but he looks like a combination of all of them. Yeah, he does. See, and these are the things. It's almost like when you go back and you revisit some of these things, mm-hmm. that I would be like, "Oh yeah, that's silly," or like, "Oh yeah, that makes no sense." But when I'm 12 and I have a sniper rifle and a jetpack, I don't care. It's just amazing. Yeah. And again, I think that's part of the fun. It was just like it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't even know Double Seven were like. I knew there were movies. I didn't know who Sean Connery was. I didn't know. The new uh, guy. Okay. I didn't know about the books. And if I did, I wasn't going to read them. But I got to play. And it was just simple. Like, it's, it's. I think for me, it's always going to come back to that. And you even talked about Nightfire. I'm pretty sure I had Nightfire. But I didn't have the same experience playing with my friends. It was just like, I only had the mm-hmm. campaign, which was good. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But I think it, that was it. It was just the bonding experience and having a ridiculous time in a buddy's basement. Just shoot each other. 
<laughs> I think you made a great point there, right? Like, like these these games are really what you make of it, especially when you're a kid. Uh, it's and it's about the yeah, it's just about the time, just about the time we have yeah. together. You know, <laughs> it's 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 really about that. I wanted to share a story. Um, we talked about uh, this is a couple episodes ago. Um, uh, from this uh, this blog, old blog that's called Games That Saved My Life. Uh, definitely recommend checking it out. There is a Agent Under Fire entry here, uh, which was really cool. This is one is from Andrew Fisher about how 007 Agent Under Fire helped bridge a gap between him and his little brother. Uh, Andrew was a bit envious and angry at his younger brother, Ben. He was very likable, sociable, really ended up having a quite large disconnect with him, despite the fact they were only 13 months apart in age. And after going to college, Andrew eventually moved back in with his parents and Ben. Uh, and Andrew says, when we decided to hook up the old GameCube up to the junky little TV we had, the next day, Ben came home from GameStop with a glint in his eyes, and he said, you'll never guess what I found in the used game section. I said, uh, Luigi's Mansion? And he said, even better. He opened the bag, and there it was. <laughs> For anyone who's never played Agent Under Fire, I'll break it down. Goldeneye plus Awesome times Grapple Hook plus Jetpack plus Godlike Bots <laughs> equals 007 Agent Under Fire. That night, Ben and I played that game until 1 in the morning. The next night, 2 a.m. The next night, 007 in the goddamn morning. <laughs> For the first time in forever, I felt like my brother and I would be good friends even if we weren't siblings. Don't get me wrong. We're not best friends. We still fight all the time as siblings do. But on those rare days, we set aside whatever else is going on in our lives and uh, see a movie, shoot some hoops, or play some stupid video game together like Agent Under Fire. It says a lot, and I think... I don't. Yeah. I don't want to be philosophical, but I think you know, especially in like COVID and stuff, when we've been stuck, being isolated or not seeing everyone we want to see, like just those moments are. I don't want to say I want to take them for granted before, but I definitely appreciate them a lot more now. Mm-hmm. So when you hear stories like that, yeah, my heart's a little warmer. That's awesome. That's that's what we're about here at the GameCube is Cool podcast. We're about warming hearts. <laughs> I've got to break some hearts, but like, uh, so going going back going going back to this game in 2021. So which I have done. I don't know. Sorry, Spenny, have you played this game recently? No. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Quite some time. <laughs> there you go. So it's kind of like the uh, GoldenEye argument that Mike and I talk about all the time, which you know you hear people talking all the time about how GoldenEye is the greatest Bond game of all time and the greatest first-person shooter of all time, and your response is go back and play it. Uh, hmm. And you go back and you realize that you know you can't you can't shoot and run at the same time, like you can't open doors without figure, <laughs> like looking up a uh, an instruction manual. This game is kind of like that, where the analog stick. I have to really try hard to explain this properly, but the analog stick, you can move forward and backward, and you look left and right, and then the C stick or the the right stick, I guess, on a PS2, uh, moves you left and right and looks up and down. S- yeah, and yeah. in modern day uh, controls, the analog stick would be to move everywhere, basically, and then the C stick, the, the Call of Duty controls, yes. basically, as they popularized. You're, you're you're absolutely right. And um, Nightfire is actually the same way until you turn that setting to Moonraker, mm-hmm. which was the 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 Call of Duty controls. And I think for us, and like I'm sure spending you too, like we didn't play anything else before this. We didn't play first person shooters. So we learned whatever controls were given to us. Mm. I definitely played Nightfire with the classic Bond, the 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 controls that you were describing, Neil. Yeah. yeah. Probably until I started playing Call of Duty. And then I realized I was like, well, this is better. I should just change this. Yeah. This yeah. is better. I think that's it yeah. too. Like it's it's part of the challenge. You're like, hey, here's a new game. And this, I'm not speaking, this isn't an anecdote. I don't quite remember the, the 
controls but i do know like hey like if we're going to be competitive if we're going to be good at this game if you want to be good at this game and it's a little bit different than what you're used to you're going to get good real fast or you're going to put it down you get to choose and mm -hmm. i think that's part yeah. of the challenge maybe that's why you know you like certain things when you don't like it's a bonus challenge why not Definitely a bonus challenge there. No, absolutely. Because it gets to, I think I might have played this campaign up until the fifth mission. And it just got to a point where there were too many people on screen. I couldn't figure out how to move and shoot. And then also changing weapons is interesting where you can use, first of all, you have a lot of gadgets and weapons in this game. We didn't talk about that. There, uh, There's about 15 uh, different firearms in the game. And then there's the mobile gadgets, like you said, the anti-gravity, grapple, stun, laser, of course, all the classic Bond gadgets. So you can change weapons and gadgets with the D-pad. All directions change various things. Also, the Z button changes items. And sometimes the B button does too. <laughs> so when you're like in a firefight and you're trying to reload and like find your PP7 and trying to like unhook or like unlock a lock with a laser like you're dead so in a, a james bond game part of it is being able to easily switch between items and know what your inventory looks like now there might be ways to toggle that i suppose and perhaps it's better on ps2 and or xbox but for the gamecube controller this game is a nightmare to play mm -hmm. i it's funny to say that it just again i think it's one of those like Hey, have you played this a while? No. Oh man, it's yeah. so hard because if you're trying to laser like laser cut a lock while you're shooting someone, you're just you're you're gonna get in trouble. Like you're not gonna yeah. do well. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. not. That makes no sense. I'm clearly not a good spy. <laughs> I totally get it for like time and place. You played this game back in the early 2000s when you were at that age, and we weren't playing a new Call of Duty and a new Halo game every year that that really perfected first person shooter control schemes. This was one of the pioneers of first person shooters on consoles and we owe a lot to Agent Under Fire because not only did it give us more James, great James Bond games like Nightfire, this is a sequel or this is a prequel to Nightfire. Uh, it also brought forth the games that we love and play today like Call of Duty and Battlefield and everything else. Like we had to have these games to learn what did and didn't work. Yeah. And there are a few yep. things in Agent Under Fire that work. It's just there's a few things that don't and go Going back to it 19 years later is really challenging. Um, but the like the soundtrack, we love soundtracks in video games. This is very much a classic Bond soundtrack. Like I love it. It picks up in the action parts and you know, there's good Bond songs and everything like that. Um, so yeah, like it does have some parts that are really good. Um, the voice acting is fine. Uh, it just Bond's face just looks so strange. But like you, Spenny, you didn't watch much of the Bond movies as a kid, so you didn't have anything to compare it to. This was just this guy that can blow everyone up with anti-gravity guns <laughs> yeah he, like you knew he was cool you knew he had guns and he had cool mm -hmm. cars and that was it that's all i needed to know and you know what yeah it was good perfect yep that's right yeah. <laughs> well neil i i think it's time for the back of the case what do you think all right sounds good oh i love the back of the case right. Let's go. <laughs> when the world needs a hero james bond answers the call Intense first-person action with high-tech weapons and state-of-the-art gadgets. Get behind the wheel of exotic supercars, BMW Z8, BMW 750IL, Aston Martin, DB5, and more. Frag your friends in four-player split-screen action. Encounter stunning Bond girls, both helpful and deadly. Ooh. Frag your friends is an interesting yeah. turn of phrase. <laughs> Frag some I actually to I totally forgot about the cars. Obviously, I have not played this in a while. There's one level when you're in the car and you're driving through the streets and there's like, like almost like, 
I don't want to say Spitfires, but like like machine guns and stuff. You're like, oh, I, I totally forgot what the levels are right now. And it was so good. It was so hard because if you totaled the car, mm-hmm. you were done. Yep. <laughs> so you obviously didn't want to do that, but you're getting shot at. Oh, I love that level. And, and like and like subconsciously, you're trying to follow the traffic laws while also avoiding pedestrians, <laughs> yeah. but it's not working. You're crashing into every single car and bus and you're killing every single poor NPC in the game. It's horrible. Absolutely. Did you have to drive on the other side of the road? Uh, uh oh my god i don't know i don't think so i don't think i i think uh, i think all the roads were one way right or no no one, be- one lane both ways that's how every road <laughs> yeah, felt yeah. well because they're always <laughs> in europe right i think yeah. i think there's like austrian runs so i guess it's i think you know you're driving on the right side yeah because you're not in britain for, for the missions yeah okay yeah yeah but that's Maybe a good point. Sleep. I never actually thought of that until right now. <laughs> yeah. Again, because I was 10. Yeah. <laughs> now I would be so frustrated if I was on the other side of the road. That would be a fun project would be to go back and play all the James Bond games and check the accuracy of the traffic laws in each game to see how much research the developers actually did. That is not such a fun <laughs> yeah. project. No. Nope. Someone will do it, not us. <laughs> well, Smitty, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about this game or this franchise before we let you go for today? Yeah, I think the things that I love about it and the the specs, this, that, the storyline, the graphics, you know, mm-hmm. to me, now I pick here about these things. But yeah, at the time, it was just about none of that. Yeah. And I think that's what makes, regardless of what game it is, just games growing up, like, that's what made it worth it mm-hmm. and so much fun in the end. And I think this is one of those games for me. Perfect. Yeah, yeah couldn't agree more. I'd love to play this game with you in person, Spenny. So when we eventually meet and we can uh, see each other, I will bring this game and my GameCube and a couple controllers and you, me, and Mike will play it and you can kick our ass because I can't play this game to save my life. (laughs) Excellent. And the jetpacks will be on. Great. And anti-gravity. Love it. And sniper rifles. So we will miss for hours. (laughs) I love it. Neil and I always play with snipers on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. Yo, but when when you do get them though, like game over. That's like game over. Just turn the console (laughs) off. It's over. You're done. It's good. Sweet. Looking forward to it. There's nothing more satisfying. Nothing more satisfying. (laughs) Sweet. Thanks so much again, Spenny, and we will see you soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you so much, Spenny, for coming on and uh, talking some Ages Under Fire and, you know, warming our hearts. We had some warm hearts there, Neil. Nice, some very nice stories there. I'm sorry that I had to poo-poo on the game just a little bit, just but little I have bit. to be the, I have to be the devil's advocate for these games, Mike. I got to put people in check that sometimes their <laughs> memories are not fact. And I've played this game in 2021, and uh, it doesn't hold up super well. But we're going to talk about Agent Under Fire and some more Bond games right now, actually, because we have another guest joining us. Mike, who's joining us now? We have our good friend Josh from the Still Loading Podcast. And Josh, the first question we're going to ask you today is if you had to pick any Bond gadget at all to have your on your phone or in the car, which gadget would you love to have? Uh, that is a very good question. But first off, it me, Josh, uh, the nice young man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my favorite Bond gadget would have to be the attache case from, from Russia with Love, coincidentally enough. Oh, nice. nice. That's a good one. That's a good pick. And I guess with a leading question here then, what what is your favorite Bond movie? This one is going to be a little bit polarizing to most people, but my favorite is The World Is Not Enough. I don't think it's the best, but it's my favorite. It's your favorite. Yeah, I, I did ask you your favorite, and that's that's a totally fair answer. I Those three 
Pierce Brosnan movies after Goldeneye just all blend together in my mind. <laughs> they all had Halle Berry in them. <laughs> oh, They're all like the, the plots are almost identical for some of them. It's like so. Uh, the, what I love about the Pierce Brosnan era is one, he was my first Bond, so I will always have a soft spot for him. Even though mm-hmm. uh, there's another podcast that I'm not affiliated with, though I desperately want to find some way to collaborate with called James Bonding. Ooh. Um, and it is they. they the the one dude's a writer on the Goldbergs. The other dude does is like the producer for Conan O'Brien's podcast. So it's like these guys like way out of my league. But I want to find some way to collaborate with them because I love their podcast. But they bring up a good point about the Brosnan era where Brosnan kind of wants to skirt the line between the grittiness that Sean Connery was and then the campiness that Roger Moore was. And he doesn't yeah. quite blend it a hundred percent well golden eye is the closest to that perfect blend um though it does miss some marks in a couple areas but like it golden eye was the closest to hit that but every other one it i like watching it now as a as an adult and not a teenager i see a lot of the flaws with it but i still love them Mm. um in fact, when I, I think what I love more now is just some of the ridiculousness of them. Like his second <laughs> one, Tomorrow Never Dies, the main villain of that is Jonathan Price. And his whole scheme is he is trying to start World War III so he can cover it with his news company. And he's basing <laughs> his entire news company around newspapers, magazines, and television, which he bond didn't have to defeat him the internet was going to do it (laughs) i was gonna say that's the future of broadcast right there like in the in the early 2000s everyone knew that newspapers and magazines were going to keep going (laughs) that's hilarious yeah that's that's the roger moore campiness for sure of just like the the random plots like i always just think of moonraker Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. like the the peak of just ridiculousness. Well, you want to talk about similar plots. Moonraker was directed by a man named Lewis Gilbert. He did th- a total of three Bond movies, including Moonraker. He did uh, You Only Live Twice, the, Ma- the Spy Who Loved Me, and Moonraker. And all of them involve some vessel or ship getting captured by some other <laughs> ship. Then a t- and two gigantic armies fighting at the end of the movie for Bond to save the world. The end of from uh, the, the You Only Live Twice it's the one it's the infamous blowfeld one where you where is like the basis of dr evil from austin powers it's literally ninjas fighting blowfeld like an army of ninjas fighting blowfeld's army inside a volcano lair um <laughs> the end of the spy who loved me is a bunch of captured uh navy sub submarine people submarine soldiers or whatever getting rescued and fighting the villain Stromberg's army inside of a base underwater. And then Moonraker, same thing, captured astronauts, though, fighting in uh, the space station of Moonraker. So it's there. there's there is a lot of repeating in the Bond movies. And God damn it, do I love them. Yeah, I was going to say it works for the Marvel Universe. So if you can find that <laughs> that uh, that formula and recreate it over and over again to make billions of dollars, then by all means, go for it. But Josh, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, we've had you on a couple times before now, obviously. You were on our, what was it, the Hidden Gems episode where you talked about uh, metal. Metal arms glitch in the system. Yep, and you came on to talk about uh, Medal of Honor as well. And we, I can't remember now, did you come on our Nightfire episode last year? No, when... I, um, okay. 
I didn't I, I think I had not met you guys by the time you did the Nightfire episode, but I do agree with you where Nightfire is the best James Bond game. In we had opinion. long talks about that. And uh, oh, and if Josh was on that Nightfire episode, it would go four hours. For sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure in a few years we'll probably revisit that game again. But we're going to talk today about a couple other James Bond games that were on the GameCube. First of all, we did already cover Agent Under Fire with our friend of the show, Spenny. But Josh, did you want to talk a little bit about Agent Under Fire, the prequel to Nightfire, before we move on to the next game on our list? Sure. Um, I was surprised, Neil, that you said that you weren't the biggest fan of this because I actually think it took some good steps forward for, for the genre at the time, of course. Um, okay. I really like the the 007 moves that you can do because it adds a it adds a new element to gameplay. So you don't just have to run and gun th- through it. You can actually find these cool little moves, which then by doing those James Bond moves, you get you unlock like different things. I, I think more multiplayer levels, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of gives like a feedback loop where like you are rewarded for exploring and experimenting in the game and your reward is just more game, like more multiplayer. So it's kind of a cool little feedback loop they have going there. And just in general, mm-hmm. like it was, I will say it's definitely not the best out of the um, there's almost like a tr- EA trilogy, you know, yes. it's agent under fire, night fire, and then everything or nothing. And it's definitely yeah. the worst in my opinion out of those three, but it's still not bad. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where our opinion lies as well in the sense that we got the better game with night fire, you oh, know, hundred percent agent under fire mm-hmm. really just looks and feels like a, a lesser version of Nightfire in every way, and especially looks like it does look almost identical to Nightfire. And mm-hmm. Nightfire really just you know turned everything up. Everything's a little better, and you're absolutely right. It took really good steps uh, in that in the first person shooter genre, and we just got better games because of it. So you know, it's if you're playing it in 2002, fantastic game. If you're playing yeah. it in 2021, it's a uh, not as good as uh mm-hmm. as yeah I I, it, it definitely has you you can see its age whereas like Nightfire, its age doesn't affect it as much and i That's would right. even argue as um everything or nothing I, I played it for the first time in preparation for this episode i didn't beat it but i got you know i got probably about like four or five hours into it or so so i, I played a chunk of it and it like i have some issues with that but a lot of that i would say is more of my own fault versus the game's design also, with I don't love when auto aim is a thing in first person shooters, like when the pointer automatically goes to the play to the uh, the enemies, which it does that too in this game. I like to be able to aim on my own a little bit. We did get better games, so why don't we move on to uh, the next game on our list here, which is uh, Everything or Nothing, which was released on February seventeenth, two thousand and four, developed by EA Redwood Shores. It's published by EA Games. This game is also on PS two and Xbox. It rates eight out of ten. Priced at around $15 today, and this is a third-person shooter Bond game. And we brought Pierce Brosnan back as well, which is good. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about this game. This game reminds me of what Die Another Day is in terms of like the ridiculous over-the-top like action. But while that doesn't work in a movie because you're expecting some level some semblance of being of being grounded or some realism in a game you like that your uh, suspension of disbelief is a lot higher so like mm-hmm. you don't it doesn't feel jarring when bond is like free falling down like a 400 foot cliff uh <laughs> dodging missiles in the air and conveniently being somehow able to 
you know, swoop left and right at insanely fast speeds that shouldn't mm-hmm. he should not be able to with literally just his arms. It's not like he has like a parachute or it's not like he's got like a wingsuit or something like that. It's just his arms and he's just like flying left and right and just it's insane. And you have to catch somebody falling midair. But it works in a game because it's like, well, how like it's gameplay. So it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, everything or nothing, though, I was very this is so weird because, you know, it's a third person shooter and all the others up until this and since this, for the most part, has been well, with the exception of from Russia with love has been mm-hmm. first person. I think so. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know of another third person Bond game before this one. I believe this was the first one, at least the first major um, Bond game that's third person. And I, I really enjoy it. The, there's Tomorrow Never Dies for oh, the PS1 okay. was third. This person. is the first one that I played. <laughs> I hadn't. Pl- I didn't play this game until I think second year university. Uh, I always wanted to play it, but um, for whatever reason, I never did. And I really enjoyed this game for two reasons. I, I liked the the third person just because it was different. It was something different than Nightfire and Agent Underfire. Um, but I also loved the fact that you could do co op uh, for the story. And I think that was a big selling point for me. I was living with friend of the show Harrison at the time, and we played this game a lot because he knew I was a big Nightfire fan. And if you haven't played Nightfire Bond games before, it's not as fun to just go into multiplayer right. uh, like you and I do, Neil. But you, you gotta you gotta know the, the scenario, you gotta know the courses. But to kind of experience a whole new game with someone and go through the entire missions uh co-op was something that i would love nightfire to have so i was really happy when uh, uh everything or nothing had it yeah no 100 percent. i would have loved to have played this game with a with a friend maybe i will someday uh, i didn't know that it had that because i've always played games single player uh, i have this game too and um i haven't actually had a chance to play even the multiplayer in this one because mike and i were the only people that i would know that would ever play these types of games together and we always just default to nightfire uh First person shooter, of course. I mean, if I wasn't all the way over in the states, <laughs> I would come up and uh, <laughs> I'd come up and play because I, I mean, I would. I I had a friend over to record an episode like a couple of years ago, and we ended up playing Nightfire multiplayer together, like just out of the blue. I was like, "This is weird." Nice. Like, it's just, I wasn't even someone that I knew uh, that wanted it. Who I I've had I had over for one episode. He was uh, Tim for the Wall Street Kid episode, and after we finished recording, we ended up playing Nightfire. But I don't I'm I'm kind of like with you guys, like I don't know a lot of people who would want to set aside some time to play this game. But the one thing I did like just kind of I, I have the Wikipedia page open. And did you know that for the GameCube, you could connect yeah. your Game Boy Advance to it? Yes, I did know that. Uh, I, I only knew that because when Neil and I were going through all the games, I was kind of making notes for which ones had uh, the Game uh, Boy Advance mm-hmm. kind of cable link system because Neil and I really hate that system because yes. it wasn't used properly. The idea was there, but they Nintendo really botched it. But yeah, I, I mm-hmm. didn't know of it. I've never done it. But <laughs> yeah, with with this one, you can use the everything or nothing Game Boy Advance cartridge to unlock extra levels, improve gadgets and mini games in the Game Boy Advance version of the game. And uh, if you have the GameCube version, the, your GBA can be used for clues on the screen, st- statistics, and objectives Oh, okay. for your GameCube game. So it, it improves the Game Boy Advance game, which I'm sure less than 10,000 people played. <laughs> uh, and it kind of just makes the GameCube version maybe a little bit better. It doesn't really add anything to the GameCube version, really, like anything of any substance. Like you're not missing out on having objectives on your Game Boy Advance while you're playing 
everything or nothing on your GameCube. It's a cool idea. This was when Nintendo was just starting to get involved with their second screen experiences with the DS and eventually the Wii U. So, but yeah, it's cool. Uh, I have Nightfire on Game Boy Advance and Nightfire on GameCube, but I don't think those two games speak to each other at all. Uh, One really cool thing I like about this game is that they brought all these actors like from the movies at the time to be in the game. So um, And a lot of other people that it's just like Willem Dafoe, Heidi Klum, uh, Shannon Elizabeth, which this what came out in 2004, so I guess she was still riding high off the American Pie series. Mm-hmm. Um, John Cleese, obviously, it's Q, Judy Dench is M. But like, I think what's very strange is that this is somewhat of a semi sequel to A View to a Kill, because Willem Dafoe's character is his mentor. He's the villain of the game. His mentor is Max Zorn, who is played by Christopher Walken in A View to a Kill. Uh, which is infamously one of the worst James Bond movies, but also secretly one of the most fun to watch. Because it's Christopher Walken. It's Christopher Walken, and he <laughs> <laughs> it's a ridiculous. Oh, it's what a ridiculous character! But I just find it so strange to me. Like, why didn't they get these actors for a real Bond movie? Like, they have like Willem yeah. Dafoe would be amazing in a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. even by today's standards like yeah. he still looks fine he might be in his what 60s now or something i think he's older than like that the, but i have no is idea he really I, oh, I'll, I'll, I mean, look like, just, I'll look it up while you're talking he's just an incredible actor that he could he could still be a villain now like there's there's rumors that like we don't know what the new spider-man movie is going to be but he's probably going to be in that so right, he's 66 he, okay yeah so he's, he's he still could definitely be a james bond villain like it'd be amazing they even brought back richard keel uh who was jaws which they did not need to bring the actor in to play the jaws character in a james bond game uh actually but gave yeah him lines I, which you don't hear much in the movies he barely speaks in yeah. the movies <laughs> he's just really big and impossible to kill in uh in co-op that's what he's there for i know right <laughs> But what, how do you guys feel about third-person shooter Bond games? Like, I, I, I've I played a fair share of... I haven't played all the Bond games. I haven't played mainly the new ones, but I, I feel like I've played enough first-person and third-person Bond games to kind of have an idea. But do you prefer Bond as a third-person stealth spy shooter game or a first-person shooter spy stealth game? I, I don't like them as much as the first-person shooters, but they are still good. I don't think they do well at stealth at all. If that's what they're going for, they do not do stealth well at all. I don't think they work as well. I think that third-person shooters, they have to be much more... You have to have good, solid movement to make a third-person shooter work, like i.e. Ratchet & Clank. But these don't really have, like, amazing movement. Like, they're fine. They're serviceable. But, like, I don't feel 100% in control of Bond. Like, sometimes I feel like I have to fight the controls to get Bond to do what I want him to do. He, he feels heavy, mm-hmm. like Bond does in, in, a, in Everything or Nothing and From too Russia with vodka. Love. <laughs> too much vodka. Too many, too many dry martinis. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was going to say, like, this is still the era where we haven't, talked about resident evil 4 yet but we're still in the third person era where resident evil 4 hasn't come out yet which definitely improves that genre and then games like gears of war and uncharted and the last of us so the third person category of games has definitely improved since 2004 and then even with stealth and spy missions like hitman has been out since then and uh i think of the arkham games as incredible third person stealth games oh yeah so there's definitely been improvements in both third person shooters and third person stealth games to justify seeing a good bond game come out now that's in third person um but yeah i definitely prefer the first person games obviously i'm a huge fan of uh golden eye and nightfire uh but mike what about you do you have a preference between third person and first person bond games 
I mean, I think first person is the way to go for Bond, just because, like you said, yeah, you feel you feel like you're Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, and uh, for uh, like third person, it, it, I liked the idea of it. Like I liked playing as him when I was in Everything or Nothing. I think that was also partly because I could see it was Pierce Brosnan. But I I just I think it's it's got to be first person, and I would I would assume the new Bond would also go back to the first person style. I mean, it's made the new bonds made by IOI Interactive, so I mean, it could be either or. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm very excited for IOI's game. I started playing the Hitman games, like the reboot from 2016. That's the first Hitman game I ever played, mm-hmm. and playing through it, I'm like, wow, this kind of feels like a James Bond game, <laughs> yep. like all the stealth and stuff like that. So when I heard they were doing the actual Bond, like the official Bond, like re- not remake, but like new or they're doing a an reboot, Origins, yeah. A reboot. I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, I, I, I'm very, very, very excited for it. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of their stuff has been third person, so we'll see. But who knows? Maybe they'll go back to first person because Bond has always worked in first person. In fact, the 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 newest Bond game that I've played is Bloodstone for like I think it's I played it on PS3, but I'm pretty sure it's for other things as well. It's actually really good. Yeah, really? it's uh, that's the one that came out the same time as the 007, uh, 007 GoldenEye, which was the mm-hmm. remake that was only on Wii. And uh, right. I actually also really like that game. I think that game, a lot of people give it a lot of crap, but I really enjoyed it. I've never actually played Bloodstone, one of the few games I never played because I didn't have a PS3 at the time when it came out. It's worth trying. It's also for the 360, mm-hmm. so if you have that, uh, I'm sure it's easy to find. And another game not based on a movie, which is nice to see. That was kind of the first time that we had seen that in a while, because after Everything or Nothing, I think all the Bond games were based on or centered around a, a movie of some kind, uh, whether it be a GoldenEye remake or uh, they did a they did a Casino Royale game. Uh, kind of. They did Quantum of Solace. Quantum uh, of Solace, okay. Yeah. Which, which also included some... Casino Royale, but gotcha. everything or nothing. Uh, anything else to to say for for that? Uh, I know there's the fun fact of everything or nothing is like it's supposed to be Eon Productions. Uh, that's, yeah, Eon that's Productions, where that yeah. name came from, which I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, that's all I have for that game. One more quick fact for me: mm-hmm. there's actually a the back of the case before I read it. Uh, there's a misprint, or, or, or if you want to call it that, it says uh, you can play with two players because the back of the case indicates two controllers. Uh, but you can obviously play the game with four players in multiplayer. So they they mis uh, misprinted the back of the case on how many players you could play with. Oh, there you go. Well, on the PS2, you could play online cooperative. Yep. Yeah, that's true. The first time. Online. Which was supported up until 2006, so they only held it up for two years. They only supported it for two <laughs> yep. years. Wow, that's some that's some uh, that's some uh, confidence. In things were different back then. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, things were different. Uh, I remember when I first played this game. I, I loved Agent Under Fire and Nightfire. Like Nightfire, like you guys, it just blew me away. It just I couldn't believe. Uh, so I, I just like how they make it feel like a Bond movie. I, I like that they bring in a bunch of like big name actors to portray different characters. They have the problem of getting too many characters in there. So there's like all these people you have to keep track of and you get like five seconds with each yeah. of them, uh, which is a little frustrating. But they take advantage of the third person's perspective a lot by how you climb up walls with like the grappling hook, how you use like these little spider bot gadgets that can crawl through tunnels. And so they, they really take advantage of a lot of the different aspects of 
third person, especially in the gadget. Mm-hmm. So overall, like it's it's a really fun game. Not quite Nightfire level, but still really mm-hmm. fun. It's a really good package to pick up for fifteen bucks. Like I don't think you can go wrong in a, in an era where GameCube games are going for fifty to a hundred dollars a piece. If you can find this one, definitely pick it up. You're gonna have a good time for a weekend or so. So let's hit the back of the case and we'll move on to our next game. With everything at stake, the world calls on Bond. Now in third person view unprecedented variety of missions all new hand-to-hand combat system two-player co-op mode short and sweet so let's move on (laughs) to the next game on our list today which is goldeneye rogue agent quick quick dip in quality here was released on november 22nd 2004 so only about eight months later uh, after everything or nothing this game was developed by ea los angeles it's published by ea games it's also on ps2 xbox and even the ds it rates a six out of ten and price also around fifteen dollars this game flips back to the first person shooter perspective it uses the name GoldenEye, which, of course, for anybody from our generation means a lot, carries a lot of weight in the video game industry. Mm-hmm. However, this game is nothing like the N64 classic. It, not, not even nothing like. It, it, it isn't like... It, I, Your character's name is GoldenEye. Yeah. <laughs> this gets me so mad because it's just trying to use the name to sell copies without it having anything to do with it. At least the 2010 GoldenEye was a, a relatively faithful remake of the original mm-hmm. and this is just uh i've played this game and i i know some people i think re- even recently have said oh it's not like a horrible game i really hate this game this is one <laughs> of the my least favorite gamecube games the fact that it has a six bothers me a lot i hate wow. everything about this game i think six is perfectly rated for because it it's not doesn't do anything amazing i i would say maybe even a five is more on par with the only reason i even bump it up to a six is because I love the insaneness of the fan service in the story. Like, I think... (laughs) I think that's what I I, hate. (laughs) I I see, like, I... I think if they didn't name this game GoldenEye and it was just called, like, um, MI6 Rogue Agent or something like that, like, you make it a James Bond game, but you don't make it about, like, the the fact that you don't play as James Bond and you quote-unquote kill James Bond in the simulation at the beginning of the game... right? um is pretty bold Uh, it's pretty bold like i i think what i like about this is that i respect how off the wall they they swung for the fences and it missed big time upon release and upon most people i i took i actually took some shit online uh or not online but some from some friends who listened to my episode on this game because I didn't hate it. Like, I really don't think it's that bad. Like, it's a competent FPS. They brought, they have like the like environmental kills that they reward you with with cool little like icons that pop up. They, they add different functionality. Like, now you can take hostages and like use them as human shields. Uh, there's a lot of like, like I said, it adds the environmental stuff, which was always fun for me to try to figure out what I can use as a as an environmental weapon. It added dual wielding to the game, which you hadn't seen in James Bond FPSs at the time. The its biggest blunder is just calling it Goldeneye because everyone was expecting a either a remake or something related to Goldeneye, and it's nothing like it. Well, was it, is it supposed to be a James Bond game? I was yeah. really confused uh, based on the reviews and then based on the marketing because yeah. the marketing makes it sound like a James Bond game. They they announced the game as GoldenEye 2, and this is only seven years after, after GoldenEye 1, so it's not like people had forgotten about it or people had different memories about it. 
GoldenEye was still very much fresh in people's mind and probably still available in certain EB games and GameStops in 2004, like if you still had uh, N64 games available there. And then there were also characters in the game from James, the James Bond universe, like Dr. No, Pussy Galore, Oddjob. Like you said, you kind of kill James Bond in a simulation at the beginning, uh, and then you're recru- you're recruited by Goldfinger to assassinate Dr. No, who are also two other characters from the James Bond universe. So... It, it technically is a Bond game. Like, I know that it's not, you don't play as James Bond. Is this supposed to be like fanfic, like a fanfic or something? That's what it feels like. And that's what I hate about it. I think I, what what I really hate is the fact that I play Nightfire two years prior to this. And, and then two years later, this comes out and it's so much worse than Nightfire in every way. Even the AI is worse. When you hit someone in the foot, they basically react that they got hit in the, the, in the head. Uh, <laughs> the, there's there's so many little things about this game wrong in just gameplay for, for me. But also just, uh, the, the yeah, like Josh said, the, their biggest disservice was calling GoldenEye. But it's not it's not like they just slapped it on. Like clearly, clearly they wanted to make this GoldenEye 2. Like they called it yeah. GoldenEye 2 at first. And it just, it boils my blood, Neil. It would be almost like these days, I was trying to think of what it would be like now. And it would almost be like if they announced a game, like uh, Valve came out and said, we're releasing a new game. It's Portal, Rogue Agent. And then we get like a spinoff of Portal and it's bad. and it, Maybe not bad, but it's just not what we're expecting. Kind of like the Half-Life 3 meme at this point where you're never going to get that game. But one of the funny things was that the, the game had... Uh, the production designer, uh, Ken Adam, who was the production designer for Bond films in the 60s and 70s, they were marketing it as, you know, he's we've got the production designer from James Bond movies. He Wait, really? They got him for this cool. game? He was 80 when the game came out. <laughs> Fair. He was not the, he was he was co-production designer at best. Like they must have had someone else. But yeah, Ken Adam is credited in this game as the production designer, but like that was definitely That's just fucking wild. <laughs> that's just to get a name on the box, though. Like, there's yeah, just no- like Goldeneye, just like to put a name on the box to but sell like, this thing. Even so, like, that's a dumb. Like, don't get me wrong. Ken Adam is an amazing production designer. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the sets from the old '60s Bond films and some into the '70s, they're they're amazing. Like, they he did so much, especially with the budgets that he was given in the in the early ones. But like. That is an awful marketing ploy because the game is geared towards kids. Kids aren't going to know who the hell Ken Adam is. It's Ken Adam didn't know who Ken Adam was at this point. Like, no offense. Like, you know, he's not that old, but like, I just like to picture like this 80 year old guy in the, in the studios, like during crunch time, working 72 hour days, like trying to get this game out the door. It'd just be hilarious. But yeah, like he was too far removed. Like maybe if they had someone a bit more current, like Judy Dench or Pierce Brosnan or like, Paul McCartney or whoever the hell, like just someone a little more recent in the James Bond uh, atmosphere to, to be involved would have been would have been nice. I will say though, this like the GoldenEye character is kind of a cool character though. Like, yes. Yeah, no, yes. I, that's why I think is cool about I it. I just wish they, I think it plays off as a, it's a James Bond fanfic. Yeah. It's a, it's like a James Bond world fanfic where you don't play as, it's not James Bond as the main character. And then uh, you lose an eye, so I love in the Wikipedia article, Goldfinger scientists have developed a weapon known as Omen, or Organic Mass Energy Neutralizer, which is which releases energy capable of breaking down organic matter on nearly on a nearly atomic level. And I just want to know, what is nearly atomic? <laughs> <laughs> just almost like, atomic. Wh- 
it's it's just like where where what is the difference between what's just a step above atomic like that's that sound that's definitely like a writer speak writing jargon like i don't know what it is i'm not saying that i i understand it but it's just i just thought that was so that's weird really to say it's on a nearly atomic level effectively disintegrating them i'm like i don't know why i clung on to that little <laughs> line so much but it just t- it just made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> I got I got one last thing to to uh, to get angry at for this, okay. and, and it's and it's the HUD. The HUD just kills me every time. It's yeah, okay. You're it's right. So much, and it's so over engineered. Like it's it's yeah. so unnecessary. Uh, for for those who don't know, basically what the the heads up display is and GoldenEye Rogue Agent is this massive circle that takes up most of the screen and on either side uh it has your health it has your uh shield it has your uh ammo aiming all all the stuff is kind of there on the sides not to the far left or far right of the screen but like relatively close to where your eye goes and it's very very strange to look at obviously it is open like like it's transparent for a lot of the times but you still see it Mm -hmm. It, it's it's almost like you have um it's almost like if you were watching a show and you know how there's like the fox logo or some you know the, the the TV program logo at the bottom, it it's it's like it being there all the time, and I hate that so much. Yeah, that that would get that would get very annoying. Um, but like like I said, like the character Goldeneye, like it sounds like a fun game to play, like just from the 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 review. Like you're this agent, you have MRI vision to see through walls, you have an electromagnetic hack to hack electrical systems, you have your weapons, of course, you also have polarity shields, which deflect bullets, and an electric field that allows you to launch enemies to their death, which makes it sound like a Bioshock game on steroids, basically, with, like, your your uh, <laughs> your upgrades and stuff like that. So if they just didn't call it GoldenEye, it probably would have been a great new IP for EA to use, maybe into the PS3 Xbox generation, but the game just had such yep. a stink on it because it was tied so closely with Bond. And there was online multiplayer, just like uh, Everything or Nothing, but like Everything or Nothing, this game was also shut down in 2006, quote, due to inactivity. <laughs> <laughs> Though I, I do like that the the gold eye that your that golden eye gets is what's created by Francisco Scaramanga, who is the man with the golden yes, gun from the man with the golden gun uh, played by Christopher Lee. For those who Ooh, don't know, um, he is the famous villain who has a third nipple <laughs> or as, or as bond calls it in the movie, a, sur- a superfluous papilla. <laughs> I thought that was kind of a weird plot idea. It's like, is it only made by Scaramanga? Cause he's the man with the golden gun and you have a gold hued cybernetic. Yes, eye. That's absolutely is that literally exactly the only it reason it's kind of stupid, Probably. but whatever. Can we just talk though for a second about how dumb the specter acronym is? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, we, we can. <laughs> <laughs> if you really sure. want to, the acronym for specter breaks down to special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, and extortion. <laughs> It falls apart on the first word because they use two letters for the first word. They use, let's take the SP inspector and make it special executive. C is counter te- counterintelligence, which would be C-I. two words. Yeah. Uh, then terrorism, T, revenge, R, and extortion, E. So they like put <laughs> two letters into one word and then take one letter and <laughs> spread it out into two words. And it just falls apart from the very first the very first word and it just makes me laugh every single time they could have just called it sector that would have been fine (laughs) (laughs) oh what a mess what a mess well neil i think it's time to read the back of the case for this uh for this game all right why save the world when you can rule it 
utilize over 100 different weapon combinations through the independently triggered dual-wield weapon system. Your two-handed arsenal will be devastating during encounters with multiple enemies. Show no mercy in intense split-screen multiplayer battle. Into, until 2006, at least. Enemies controlled by the all-new evil, that's E-V-I-L, A-I, mean, mean no two games are ever the same. Upgrade your synthetic eye to see through walls, manipulate electronics, deflect bullets, and send enemies flying. Fight alongside and against legendary villains such as Goldfinger, Oddjob, Pussy Galore, and Dr. No. All right. All right. All right, let's move on to the last game for today, which is James Bond 007 from Russia with Love, which was released on November 15th, 2005. This game is developed by EA Redwood Shores. It's published by EA Games. It's also on Xbox, PS2, and the PSP. Love that console. It rates a 7 out of 10 and is priced today at around $20. And this is another third-person shooter. And the game is based on the 1957 novel and 1963 movie of the same name from Russia with Love. Yeah, and we have Sean Connery, who once again uh, comes back and uh, plays Bond, even though he said, I think, like three or four times at this point that he would never do it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I, I remember when this came out, this was like somewhat of a big deal. Uh, one, because of Sean Connery coming back uh, for mm-hmm. the first time in like 22 years or over that. And just the, the fact that this was a, a different kind of Bond game for this era. We had had so many games that were not tied to the movie at all right. uh, at this point. And so to have this this uh, direct tie into an old movie, I can't think of any other game that has done this. Can you, Neil? No, I was trying to think of something actually just now, and I can't. I feel like we've talked about games with actors that have come back to reprise their roles, but nothing comes to mind right now. For some reason, but I was nothing thinking... comes to mind where it's like the actual movie itself from back in the day. No, it's. I think it's the strangest thing is that it's that it's this movie. It's not a recent film. Like it makes more sense yeah. when it's a recent film. But the fact that this is the second Bond movie ever that they're like that that movie came out in '63. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at 42 years later, like, yeah, let's make a video game. <laughs> um, that'll be good. Yeah, very uh, strange. Let's bring back the Bond uh, who is in it. Like you said, Sean Connery. It's interesting. So I have this for Xbox. My copy of this game is on the Xbox. And for some reason, there I shouldn't say for some reason, there's a lot of behind the scenes oh. footage on it. I don't, I don't know. If I used. To, I actually wrote it down when I did an episode on this a while ago, but I don't know where those notes are. But you see, like they interview Sean Connery connery and he's talking about it talking about like wanting to come back and blah blah blah. i'm like you just got paid a lot of money (laughs) like there's no like i can't imagine it because sean connery famously had such a bad breakup with the bond movies i didn't realize that that was actually sean connery doing the voice of bond i was i was thinking like man whoever's doing this voice is doing like old sean connery not young sean connery and then i realized it was old sean connery (laughs) playing yeah it's like I was like, why it does this sound? Sean Connery just yeah, it's like, why does this sound like Admiral Akbar? Like, and it's it's oh <laughs> nope, it's just old Sean Connery. Now I feel like a dick. <laughs> After he did Diamonds for Forever, he said he would never do it again, and technically he didn't because he did uh, Never Say Never Again in the '80s, which was not part of the Eon Bond films. It was its own thing, and that was actually uh, a remake, technically, of Thunderball. And uh, and so he did that in the '80s when he was, I guess, probably at least fifty at that point. And then came back for this. Uh, he mm. he was pretty old. But yeah, uh, from Russia with Love, uh, this, first of all, I just want to give a shout out to the cover art 
of this game because this game has probably one of the most iconic best cover arts for any game I've ever seen and I'm saying that as a designer as a graphic yes. designer I love cover art and most of the games from this era didn't have great ones they were often these edgy covers with these weird fonts on them and you know trying to go for that that jackass era kind of style but to this cover is just so memorable and so good the 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 deep reds in there sean connery just looking like a badass in that shot Mm -hmm. and they could have easily just taken the old poster and put it on but they they kind of updated it and made it modern made it really pop on the shelves and I still to this day see this game many times over, uh, whether it's for Xbox, GameCube, whatever. I always see this on the shelves. And every time I'm like, yeah, that's right. This is a good cover. They made it look like a movie poster, like a new movie poster. I'm with you. I think the cover just looks fantastic. I It's one of the reasons I bought it even because I remember it. I have a tendency whenever I go game shopping, I'm like, I'll, I'll specifically search for games that I'm just surprised exist. Like I just, I was not expecting something like that to ever be made. And I, that was it mm-hmm. with this. I mean, I was always a Bond fan, but I'm like, they made a From Russia With Love game. Like, why yeah. would they do that? Like, <laughs> I don't understand the thought process. <laughs> Neither do I, but I love it. I'm, I'm glad they did it. Yeah. Like at first glance, it looks like they just re-released the movie, but no, it's a GameCube game or it's an Xbox game in your case, Josh. And I got this game for my birthday. I th- it must've been in 2000 and this game came out in 2005. So it must've been 2006. Mike, I got it from Cal. If you remember, uh, I got it. From I, I do. I, I had this written down that, uh, that we played it at, yeah. at uh, I guess it was at your house uh, for your birthday. And cause Cal got it for you. Yeah. And uh, I just remember we all, we didn't play it. We just watched you play it because uh, <laughs> and in my mind for the longest time, I thought there was no multiplayer in this game. I was told, or, you know, you believe whatever as a kid that, Oh, this is just a single player game, which it technically is, but there is the, the, a third person multiplayer deathmatch mode that basically all the other bond games have. Yeah. No bots, though. That's the only thing. Yeah, it's only four-player multiplayer, which is fine. The campaign in this game is very good. I I can't stress enough how good this game actually is as a first-person or as a single-player campaign. I I love this game. Like I was playing it this week, and I was I couldn't wait to go back and play it again. I wanted work to be over so I could go back down to my TV and play <laughs> it some more. I haven't beaten it. I even back in the day, I never beat it. I just got it, to a certain. It's relatively point. hard. Yeah, and I just got to a certain point where like I wanted to go back to Nightfire because it wasn't a third. It wasn't a first-person <laughs> shooter, and that's what I was yeah. all about back in the day. But now, after playing uh, third-person shooters over the years, like I said, Uncharted, Last of Us, Batman, a bunch of good third-person. Uh, games I wanted to go back and this game holds up very well I would say like there are some parts that could be refined uh, by today's standards obviously more notably is the driving levels they're not very yeah. fun the driving in this game is not good the car handles no, poorly not. like it takes you a second to turn and then when you do you're all into that turn like your car just bends basically like in through space and time <laughs> uh, impossibly so the driving levels are a bit of a pain but Going through the levels and, you know, as Sean Connery third person is fun. Like it's a game that kind of makes you feel like you're back in the 60s again. Like we had just had what felt like 10 or 12 games set in the 2000s Bond universe with the Pierce Brosnan games and the spinoff ones like Nightfire and Agent Underfire. It was nice to play a game again that was from the 60s because it really did feel like a game from that era. It's cool to have the old cars, but uh, like I, that was one thing I remember about this game is the old cars and driving them. But you're right. The driving was not uh, very good at all. And I think you are right in terms of this is probably the best 
Bond story mode, like best campaign that I can think of maybe for any Bond game. Hmm. I know that's a that's a big statement, but, but I, 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 I think was not expecting the amount of love for this. Like I didn't I didn't hate it. There's not it's nothing like that. I just I remember playing and be like, this is pretty decent. Really? And I just I it just did not capture my 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 attention the way it did for you guys. I think it's gotten better with time. I think this is one of the few games that that because I did play it also recently again and it it was better than I remembered it, which I can't say about almost any games that we talk about on the show so it it was uh it was cool uh for that and and that's that's you know that's a big statement from us considering uh, our love for for nightfire Mm -hmm. i do find it interesting that they added two new characters to this game that weren't in the movie uh played by natasha beddingfield and maria menounos yeah Yeah. one thing i do remember from watching the behind the scenes stuff on my xbox disc of all things uh i think it was natasha beddingfield saying how much she liked she's like i'm officially a bond girl she's in it for literally less than a mission (laughs) natasha beddingfield must have been difficult to get or expensive to get back then because this is when she was big like she was very popular in the early to mid 2000s with i couldn't believe that name unwritten or whatever yeah that single was on the radio nonstop. so she must have been a big she was probably just again on the box to uh to sell games and whatnot but also missing from this game uh is the organization specter uh which josh you talked about you do not like that acronym we know well, I th- I find it funny. Yeah, more funny <laughs> than anything, of course. But yeah, they they replaced it with Octopus was the uh was the enemy group in this game. Does Octopus have a fun acronym? Like, is there is the do you know? I I couldn't find anything for it, but uh, not that I'm aware of. Enough. But I think we should make it up right now. Okay. Uh, odd odd job. Odd job is first, obviously. So odd job. Odd job can, tan, on. Odd job contain octopus p utensils P-partly? seriously <laughs> partly, partly 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 utensils odd job can tan octopus parcels octopi partly octopi partly what does that mean <laughs> yeah, <I> multiple <laughs> octopi i got you now anyway yeah no i think for me it's the just like octopus, that's the best i think for me it's just it's a third person bond game it, it it has all the controls nailed down you can switch between items seamlessly the story makes sense the cutscenes are fun to watch and you know sean connery's back which is a nice plus and like i said it takes you back to the 1960s classic bond look which we haven't seen in a long i don't think we've seen it since from russia with love no. in a bond game it's just different it's just and different i think that's why it, it's but, just different but, but there are yeah. lots of drawbacks and I'd, I'd probably give it like a seven and a for half sure. like seven out of ten that's probably where where would lie for me? I don't think it's underrated. I just think it's not talked about enough. I think that's my no. main issue. It's definitely a 7 out of 10. I just think that it does get overshadowed by the other James Bond games that are easily 9s and 10s. That's all. Also, mm-hmm. fun fact, uh, I talked about how Sean Connery uh, did Never Say Never, Diamonds Are Forever, and before that, it was Only Live Twice. Uh, that was his going to be his last movie. Did you know You Only Live Twice was actually written by Roald Dahl? No. Yes, that was a, I did know a that. fun one for me when I was reading about it. And apparently, I don't think this is, I, I've looked it up and I'm pretty sure this is wrong, but apparently they swapped scripts like Ian Fleming wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang <laughs> because Roald Dahl agreed to write uh, You Only Live Twice. I, I could I could see that being real, though. That would make sense, you know? Originally, You Only Live Twice took place in a candy factory. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, Neil, I think it's time to read the back of the case for this game. All right. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading 
the back of the case. Enter the world of classic James Bond. Customize your Bond with upgradable gadgets, weapons, and clothing. Speed through missions in classic cars, speedboats, or a jetpack. Battle it out to be the deadliest villain in all-out multiplayer deathmatch. Shoot with pinpoint accuracy using the new Bond focus mode. And that was actually one of the things about the game that I really liked that I didn't talk about was the um, upgradable gadgets and weapons that like you earn points based on exploring the environments, like reading documents and everything. And you get upgrade points and then you can go to your your inventory uh, list and then like choose to upgrade your ammo, upgrade the power of your guns and whatnot. So it had that level of like almost like an RPG kind of uh, upgrading your stats, which was nice. Like I hadn't seen that in a Bond game up to this point. No, again, it's just a very different Bond game from this era, even though mm-hmm. it came out within a year of all these others uh, that were, like like Josh said, the kind of the trilogy yeah. of, uh, of Bond games that came out before this. Yeah, but uh, with that, that's the last game on our Bond list for, for today. So, Josh, uh, before we let you go, is there anything else you want to say about James Bond video games from this generation? Well, real quick, just some last, not not even notes, just some real quick fun facts with from Russia with Ooh, Love. I love fun facts. Uh, the Definitely. movie from Russia with Love, the the big bad henchman is his name is Red Grant. Um, he's played by Robert Shaw, who famously is later the plays the role of Quint in Jaws. Oh, cool! So there's a little fun fact. So you know, Red Grant to Jaws, and actually in From Russia with Love, the movie. I think it's honestly Sean Connery's best Bond movie, in my opinion. I think it's a really mm-hmm. good spy thriller, especially like a '60s spy thriller. It's got. It was one of the first movies that cut like for action sequences cut on action like cut on movement i should say most other action sequences at the time when someone throws a punch you show the whole thing like in in like one in one frame but you know most people most actors don't know how to fight so it doesn't always look as gritty but in mm-hmm. this they it it's it's not quite it's nowhere near the bad editing of the jason bourne movies but basically you know if someone's throwing a punch they'll cut before the punch hits and change the angle to make it more visually interesting for the audience no one had done something like that before so like there's a train fight in from russia with love where they really kind of show that off and it's one of the most it's one of the first instances of us us audiences seeing any type of martial art in a movie yep Hmm. last fun fact the director of this game one of the co-directors was michael condry and i literally just found this out now but i checked on a whim he's done a bunch of stuff um before before this he did he was the director of everything or nothing he produced nightfire and the world is not enough video games right and he also did mm-hmm. deer hunt challenge and ultimate hunt. all these you know <laughs> stuff maybe those you don't care but what you do care about is he's the director of the original dead space oh nice he he's special thanks in dead space extraction and call of duty black ops he is the director of call of duty modern warfare 3 advanced warfare and world war 2 wow Wow. i'm looking at his resume right now on wikipedia isn't that wild to think about not a lot of games here like maybe 15 20 games but yeah a lot of call of duty which is good but then yeah dead space big games big james bond games of course like the biggest one of all is ultimate hunt challenge here so that's huge (laughs) Um, that's incredible champion bass love it don't forget champion bass yeah no these are incredible games so 
Isn't that nuts to think about? Like you can, there's a direct line from Deer Hunt Challenge to <laughs> Call of Duty World War II. Go figure, Man, right? I can't wait for Cabela's James Bond to come out next year. It's going to be so good. <laughs> That'd oh, be man. fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, um, final notes on that on the James Bond games of this era. It was the golden era of James Bond games. Like I know everyone credits Goldeneye. That's kind of started it. But like I really feel like. Goldeneye was set the gold standard for James Bond games, but then this was the golden era of mm. James Bond games between Nightfire, Everything or Nothing, Agent Under Fire, From Rush with Love. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as much as it's criticized Goldeneye Rogue Agent, like it has it has its place. There's just so much good about it. And then you can kind of see it waning down towards the latter half of the aughts, you know, because 2010 is when... Um, you know, uh, like I mentioned, Bloodstone came out. And by then, like, the games just really didn't feel the same. So yeah. and that's probably why we haven't seen a real James Bond game in, like, almost a decade, just about. Like, I'm looking at the list right now. The last one was 007 Legends in 2012. Yeah. I own that. I, and that was that's one of what I've heard. It's played. really bad. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you have 007 Legends in 2012, and then you have the GoldenEye remake in 2010, like you said, and Bloodstone in 2010. So realistically, it's been 11 years since a good James Bond game and almost 10 years since the last James Bond game. So between 1997 and 2005, you have like all of the good James Bond games and then nothing. Yeah, and yeah. From Russia with Love was the last game of the EA uh, run, so they obviously took the torch from uh, GoldenEye, like you said, and they ran with it with some amazing games. Activision took it after From Russia with Love, and we saw what happened. They produced some good at-best games and then some trash games, so hopefully within the next few years we'll get a decent James Bond game. But while we're waiting patiently for that, and when that does get announced and comes out, we'll have to talk to you about that, Josh, again on the air oh 100 definitely but until then uh why don't you let the listeners know where they can find you uh until you come back uh on our show again sometime which will probably be very soon i'm sure when we talk about who knows what (laughs) um yeah so uh if you didn't hate me talking about james bond you can go to my podcast still loading podcast um you can find it on pretty much everywhere you know spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts a bunch of different places like that. Um, I do kind of a lot of different stuff. I interview people in the industry. I do video game deep dives. I do weird ideas. Like I actually just released a music showcase where I had a, uh, this nerdcore rapper on and we went through his brand new EP track by track and discussed it all. By the the time you're listening to this, a new episode will be coming out this coming like the this coming Sunday after this episode's released. And it will be my 200th episode, which Neil guested on. Ooh, fun. Yeah, that's Ooh. awesome. That was a lot of fun to record. I I was thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed your 200th episode party, which had some interesting guests at it. <laughs> um, but I did I did make it back alive obviously to Canada. I went all the way down to Mike, I went all the way down to Philly on a moose and then I came Ooh. back all within the yeah. same couple of weeks. It was quite a trip, but I made it. I'm amazed that you didn't get uh pulled over on the at the border for riding a moose under the influence. Oh, no, you, you get to pass by right away if you're on a moose. They let you in automatically. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like, oh, you're too... Oh, my gosh, you're so Canadian. It's the golden gun of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> the golden gun of Canada. <laughs> well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on once again, sharing your memories and all your uh, extensive knowledge about the James Bond franchise in both movies and video games. Could not have done this episode without you. And yeah, uh, we hope to see you real soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you guys around. All right. Take care, man. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you so much, Josh, for coming on and just 
and having so much knowledge about the James Bond franchise. Like, I, I was so impressed. I know he's a big nerd for this stuff, and I, I am too to an extent, mm-hmm. but uh, but Josh has me beat, for sure. Yeah, I can tell that Josh is a huge Bond fan just by looking at his Instagram page and, and Twitter. Like, he's constantly, this is like his Christmas right now, finally getting a Bond movie to come out. I'm hopeful that we get that new Bond video game to come out so we can talk to him again about that. Um, so yeah, a fun time for any Bond fan out there. Um, and I don't meet too many big Bond fans, honestly. Like even when we were kids, like people were more in, invested in Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. James Bond mm-hmm. was like a third, fourth party thing that we like to do at parties. Cause like I said before, yep. no Call of Duty to play yet. So we had Bond. That's right. So Mike, what happened to James Bond games and wh- where do you see J- James Bond going forward? Well, well, Neil. So I can actually tell you what happened to James Bond games. Oh, okay. What happened is is EA. Um, and you'll notice there is a big gap between From Russia With Love and Quantum of Solace, 2005 to 2008. Mm-hmm. And that's because uh, the Casino Royale, the game, uh, was supposed to be released in 2006, developed by EA, um, mm-hmm. Redwood Shores. Uh, but it was canceled because it wouldn't be ready for the film's release in November. And this kind of had a this was a big tiff between MGM and EA, mm-hmm. and there's a, they had a big falling out. MGM lost millions in licensing fees because of this, and uh, this was a major turning point uh, for EA, who then fo- chose to focus more on internal uh, intellectual properties rather than franchise games. Mm-hmm. Which is now they're back to franchise. Yeah, games, they're back but... with they got they got the Star Wars <laughs> license from yeah. Disney, which is whatever. And um, they officially abandoned the franchise in 2006, and then. Uh, Activision took it over a couple of years later to make Quantum of Solace, which wasn't a great game. And the problem was that this era wasn't honestly just wasn't great for first person shooters that weren't named Call of Duty or Halo. Yeah. Like this, that was the biggest problem. And they got outpaced and outbeat by them. And eventually 007 Legends just had really poor sales that uh, uh, Activision abandoned the project as well. And mm-hmm. now, though, this is, you know, because if we could talk about this two years ago, Neil, I, I, I'm not even sure if there would be a James Bond game coming out. I might say that this is the end of the line for at least a long time, mm-hmm. but IO Interactive has come in and, and, and started Project 007, and I'm really hyped for that because this is, like we said, a match made in heaven. Yep. The developers for Hitman making a game that is basically Hitman, but just licensed. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, you nailed the answer right away for what happened to James Bond games. The EA to Activision trade-off was not smooth, especially for MGM. I think they really lost out there, Yeah, uh, which is such a shame because EA was on a really good hot streak with Bond games, with the games that we talked about today. Um, yeah. But yeah, a couple of years ago, if you had asked me what's going to happen with Bond, I mean, I would have said for sure we're going to get Daniel Craig movies. And honestly, I did not realize it had been nine years since the last 007 game with 007 Legends. It feels like it was maybe six years ago. Like I thought late PlayStation <laughs> 3, Xbox 360 generation, early PS4. Uh, I did not realize that there were no Bond games on PS4 or Xbox One. That was somewhat shocking to me. Um, yeah. But that's also, that's also not a good sign for someone who does pay pretty close attention to video game releases that uh, there were no Bond games released and I didn't notice it. So that's not a good sign that it doesn't seem like that the franchise is overly missed because there are so many good games out there that kind of do what James Bond did but better now. Like you, you love um, – or 
a lot of people out there love games like like Hitman and like um like there's games out there like Yakuza and even like Grand Theft Auto. Like if you want to be a spy, I think you can do that in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah, these honestly. days like there must be a way to be James Bond in that. I game mean, as Deus well. Ex, like the same kind of idea. It's it's yeah. those you know a lot of the Square Enix games like uh, Eidos who made a lot of these stealth heavy games, and mm-hmm. I I think that this is I think the franchise needed this Neil. I think it needed a 10-year gap between games. I, I I honestly believe that. Because if you didn't if you just put out more games from Activision, I I, I doubt they'd be able to achieve the same quality that I think we we are going to get with IO Interactive. I think so too. I think that it's been long enough that like if the game does come out and it's bad, that's not good. Like I think it's been it's been a long time, so it's going to come out. It's going to be great. So I'm I'm okay to wait Like for this game. I, I hope IO Interactive does not talk about this game until it's less than six months from coming out. Like They do not need to announce this game four years before it comes out. We do not need to see this game at E3 every year for a few years. Just <laughs> announce it and have it ready for Christmas that year, and I think it will be a good game. It's not going to be the best-selling game of 2023, let's say, uh, but it, it will do well amongst the Bond fans like us and like Josh. Yep, exactly. So, Mike, from the games that we talked about today, which one would you suggest the folks out there go and pick up? Well, of course, I would say Nightfire of these games, <laughs> but we did not technically talk about Nightfire. So, if you're or if you already have Nightfire in your home, mm-hmm. then I would definitely pick up From Russia with Love. This is a a different great game to pick up, and like like I said earlier. I think it's probably has the strongest campaign of any Bond game, uh, and it, it you know it has aged in ways. It's it's not the best for for the vehicles, uh, and some of the graphics aren't great. But honestly, um, I had a lot of fun playing this game uh, this week to prepare for this episode, and it would definitely be my pick of these five games without including Nightfire. Yeah, yeah, I I have to agree. We always agree on these things, but from Russia with Love, at, at first I had everything or nothing, and then, you know, I, I picked up the last game on my stack of Bond games, and I was like, all right, I'll play from Russia with Love to get ready for the episode, and I couldn't put it down. Like, I, I had no problem turning away from everything or nothing, and I've honestly forgot where I was in the game, but <laughs> even, even while we're recording this, like, I want to go back and play from Russia with Love because, you know, yeah. I've played 20, almost 28 years now of, of playing games like Goldeneye and Nightfire and Everything or Nothing, these Pierce Brosnan modern games, that to go back and play this this video game set in the '60s with uh, Sean Connery and you know it's it's in England and it's it's cool and John Cleese is there too. It's just a really neat, uh, just a really neat love letter to the classic Bond uh, movies that we haven't seen since. And uh, I don't know if we'll ever see it again. I would love it if IO Interactive, after whatever they make, I hope that it's more of a modern spy game and then they go back to this '60s era. I think that'd, that'd be, be really cool. That'd be a really good idea actually um so yeah from russia with love is my easy pick so mike yeah. why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 68 of the gamecube is cool podcast or actually when is episode 68 coming out episode 68 is coming out this same week i don't know things are confusing e- either way we're back to our normal schedule it's coming out on a thursday <laughs> look for it it's gonna be great it's all about capcom 5 mm-hmm. and uh we are uh, doing a little tweak because we're not going to talk about Resident Evil 4, which was one of the original Capcom 5 games that was supposed to be exclusive for the GameCube. Mm-hmm. We're doing Resident Evil 4 the week after that, so that's going to be its whole epi- a whole own episode. But these games are Killer7, PNO3, Be- other games, <laughs> oh, beautiful, yeah. oh, the beautiful Joe games, beautiful Joe yeah. one, two, and uh, Royal Rumble because I know that's not part of the Capcom Five, but 
if I'm going to talk about Beautiful Joe, <laughs> I'm talking about all the games. Yeah, in a perfect world, we may have given Beautiful Joe his own episode because that is a very iconic GameCube franchise, but it makes more sense to just throw him in with the Capcom 5 episode. There's also a hidden Capcom 5 game in there known as Dead Phoenix, which was a canceled GameCube game, which I'm sure that we'll talk a little bit about as well since that game was technically a part of the Capcom 5 announcement. Very excited to talk about that because it was a bit of a failure of a marketing ploy. Uh, during the GameCube generation. So very hyped to talk about that. And thank you so much for uh, listening this week. We know that uh, we were away last week, but we are back uh, with two episodes this week. So we're right back on track with our every Thursday. We're going to try not to miss another Thursday again because we do have another uh, 140 or 240 some odd games to go. Uh, So we're going to move right along. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 67 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are the GameCube was cool. Then you can follow us on Instagram. We are at the GameCube pod. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Pierce Brosnan, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun.